Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. As always, I'm your host and the the MC of sorts for tonight's BBP, presented by none other than Danco Transmissions and Family Care. Yeah, I, you know, head to Danco Transmissions. We got we got to get this out of the way in the beginning because they deserve a shout out in this time. Mention the BBP at your next oil change. Ten dollars off when you visit Danco. Big time, big time. Head to Danco before you head down south to Dallas. Get that oil changed before that long drive. And head to Danco, $10 off when you mention the BBP. But mentioning the BBP, that means that my partners in crime, good buddies, the uh, post-Christmas special, if you will, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel. Aaron, Chad, how are we? Doing all right. Happy to have made it through Christmas. Yeah. In one piece. I see you're in Athens, so I am, yeah. the gift giving must have went all right. It did. Okay, very good. Chad, how are we? I'm good. I'm good. Christmas was good. I got my uh the glasses. My glasses right next to me. Have you have you used them yet? I played around with them quite a bit, yeah. I, I haven't done any work with them yet. You That's see this, Jim, in the corners? I do. It's hard to see it, but I can see it now. They have cameras. Yeah. So I can do video and pictures on the go. I'm pretty excited about it. Just just one step closer to the metaverse that we're all going to be in here shortly, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, you already mentioned him a little bit, Chad, but a man that truly needs no introduction. Uh, encyclopedia is the first word that comes to my mind when I think of this man. Uh, a wealth of knowledge as well. Uh, bear Chilly. cat. Football aficionado. Chili special comes to my mind yes, first. Yes. Chili special as well. We're going to dive into that a little bit. But the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Jim Kelly. Jim, how are we? I'm good, Brent. How are you? Oh. I guess you guys are good, it sounds like. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. How I'm doing, Jim. So, so thanks for asking. That's a first. I'm doing yeah. well. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Good. Wait, are we supposed to ask you how you're doing after you ask us? No, how that's okay. It's okay. You, you guys are fine. I'm, I'm good. You know, all is well right now. There we go. I just all need to Brent. Like, we're, are you expecting us to ask you how you're doing after you ask us how we're doing? Not really. The, the how are we kind of encompasses all of us. Okay. So, good. So, good. you know, if you're doing all right, I'm doing all right. And, uh, <laughs> as far as that goes, if the if the Bearcat football team is doing all right, then that means Jim Kelly's doing all right as well. So uh, let's let's dive right into that. It yeah, game week. It's game week. Yep. How how are your emotions and your feel as we slowly approach the biggest game in school history? It's interesting because it was a whirlwind for 13 weeks, right? Um, you know, 14 weeks, I guess, with the, you know, with the bye week in there. And it was just one game after another and one pressure packed situation after another. And each week brought on, you know, a bigger target on the back or a different way to approach the game. And um, all of a sudden after the Houston game and just the, the elation and that scene at Nippert Stadium that I can't get out of my mind and I never want to get out of my mind. Um, it, all of a sudden it got quiet, you know? I mean, the, the actually you had the, you know, day after that, uh, two days after that, I guess. And, uh, actually it was the next day, the, uh, you know, the 
the announcement of the college football playoffs. And everybody knew that night it was coming. Um, but still, seeing your name up there in the college football playoffs for the first time and the whole thing with the first, t- first time ever for a group of five team, it was exciting. Well, you know, all that, I won't say it went away, but the holidays came and there was time involved in it to where, um, you know, the Bearcats kind of had a little bit of a break there. They were practicing, not a lot going on in reference to what we saw Um you know, as far as being publicized and everything. So things were pretty quiet. Now, all of a sudden, things are back at, you know, 100 miles an hour. And it's, you realize pretty quickly when you get involved with the college football playoffs, or in this particular case, you know, the Cotton Bowl as a partner in this, um, how big of a deal this really is. It's been nonstop for the last couple of days, maybe three, four days. The Bearcats, of course, arrived there yesterday. Big practice today one press conference after another emails coming literally four or five, six times a day to update you on certain things. So um, it it was one heck of a year. The little bit of break is gone now. And all of a sudden it's, um, you know, it's back at it. And uh, I think you said it well, this is the, you know, the biggest game in school history, no question about it. And the biggest week in in University of Cincinnati football history. Now, Jim, you've been around for quite a bit of that history. And did you even after the 2009 season think that we would ever get to this point to where we were actually in the mix of one of four teams playing for a national championship? Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Aaron. Um, back in the 80s and the early night, late 80s, early 90s, when I started broadcasting, or even when I was just a casual fan in the late seventies, early eighties, um, when things weren't going real well, right. there was, you know, and it's been well documented how, you know, I, I was on the broadcast team that did the 81 to nothing loss to Penn state, um, you know, back to back losses to Miami of Florida, West Virginia. I think there was all kinds of men there in that 80, that 91 season. Um, anyway, that being said, to, to get where this team got in the early, in the, you know, in the 2008, 2000, even 2003, four, five, six, to watch them grow. And then to get to the, you know, the orange bowl and the sugar bowl and to watch what they were able to do, even though they didn't win either of those games, to see whatever, what they were able to do. I, I honestly didn't believe it would ever get to that point when that went away. And we had, you know, the Butch Jones years, and then we had the Tommy Tuberville years. Um, You know, you really wondered if you'd ever see that again. And quite honestly, um, after a year, you know, starting year two of Luke Fickle, uh, you thought, you know what? This guy's pretty good. He's really building a heck of a program here. This team's going to be good down the road. And by golly, they have put together, you know, four years back to back to back to back that have been unbelievable. And to see them get to where this where they are today, where this program is, I'd have to honestly say I didn't see it getting back to this. You know, the BCS was one thing. And I'm not saying that the, you know, the way that this college football playoff system is formatted is, you know, is the end all. But to see the Bearcats get there within what is out there now to offer is absolutely amazing. And I I, I can't tell you how proud I am of this program, how much, uh, you know, the what I think of Luke Fickle, what I think of all these these guys um, and what they've been able to do and, and, and throw in there, you know, COVID 
last year and even this year now, um, what they've been able to kind of weave their way through has been it's been absolutely unbelievable. It really has been. And it's been a fun ride for me. I guess kind of to follow up on that, I mean, have you been have you allowed yourself to separate job from fan and just enjoy this as the fan that we all know that you are? Well, those of you that have heard some of my uh, replays on some of my calls <laughs> next to Dan, I'm not much more than a fan. I mean, I know a little bit about football. I played it. I coached it. I've been around it a long time. I know a little bit about the X and O's and the schemes. But quite honestly, I, I am just a, a guy who is there as a fan, um, you know, set, kind of saying what I, what I see and trying to for whatever reason, kind of say, okay, I think this is what's going to happen next and or, um, you know, this is what they should do. But as you, as you've heard, um, you know, I get a little carried away at times. I will say this. Um, I try not to let those kind of things take over. The times that they have have been either program changing plays for a specific coach. Um, I can remember the first one I'll, I'll never forget was, uh, uh, Ryan Manilak's interception at Rutgers oh, yeah. back in the Mark D'Antonio years. And it was a game changer. Rutgers was so far ahead of Cincinnati at the time, not necessarily in this game. I mean, as a program and Manilak was able to, to kind of with, with that interception kind of change the momentum of that game. And I, and the same thing. So there, there you go. There's the Brian Kelly. And then, you know, take it a step further with Brian Kelly was the, uh, where the Bearcats blew the 11 point lead at West Virginia, but was able, they were able to come back to, to win that. And there was a little bit of yelping at the end of that one. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, there's been those things with each program. There was uh, the one that probably I went the most berserk on, which was the Miami game in Luke Fickle's first year, where there's no way in the world Miami should have won that football game. There was only one way in the world uh, they could have lost it and they found a way to do it. And it was three mistakes right in a row. One was the kickoff that they decided that, okay, he stepped on the, he was in the field of play, stepped back, decided he had to run it out, only got to the, I can't remember exactly, the seven or eight. Um, then the timeout that Chuck Martin said, I want to timeout with one second to go, but forgot to call the timeout. Um, and then lastly was the interception to Malik Clements. Um, and I just absolutely that one. And then, then of course, uh, you know, Sauce Gardner against UCF two years ago. That that was a big one too. So they've been kind of um, try to keep that to a uh, you know limited somewhat. But back to your original question, hey, I'm a huge fan. You know, I've been around this program a long time. You know, my dad coached here, I, so I was a fan before I actually played at Cincinnati then had the opportunity to play there, had the opportunity to coach there one year and um, haven't missed a home game since. So, And, and then th this is technically the, the biggest season, obviously, of society football's history. So kind of, kind of take us through the, the, you know, in the booth and then the fan aspect of kind of the bigger moments of the season, starting with that Notre Dame win at Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah, I mean, if you think what these guys, and I know a lot's been said about it, what these guys had to go through. So they had this huge year last year. They're 9-0 and in regular season. They they play Georgia, who was is and was last year, really, really good. And they take them to the wire. And, you know, you could sit and make arguments about 
you know, clock control and things like that, that maybe they could have won that game, but they didn't. Okay. They lost it on a last second field goal. Um, but one heck of a year with almost everybody coming back, almost everybody predicted, Hey, they're going to run the table next year. However, they got Indiana in the way they got Notre Dame in the way they got a real good SMU team. They've got, um, you know, and, and you it, honestly, early in the year, you don't know what's in the conference. The teams that, you know, you feel that you're going to be your toughest game sometimes don't have great years. Or you have like, you know, let's look at Tulane who opened with Oklahoma, right? And had they been at home, might have beat Oklahoma. Um, they were supposed to play at home. Then a hurricane came through. They have to go to Norman and play. And those kind of things, you, you really don't know what's going on. You do know that Indiana's going to be good. They had a great year last year. And you know Notre Dame's going to be good. Well, it didn't, didn't work out so well for Indiana this year. But nonetheless, at the time that Cincinnati went to Bloomington and beat Indiana, that was a really good football team. Mm -hmm. um, and then, obviously, winning at Notre Dame, um, you know, other than what we're going through right now, and I'm sure you could make arguments that there were bigger games throughout the year after Notre Dame. But if you go back and you look why Cincinnati's in the college football playoffs right now, it's because they beat Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame helped them by going 11 and one and not losing another game after they lost to Cincinnati. But if you look at that, um, winning those two games, and I think a lot of people said that in the beginning, if they can win these two on the road against power five teams, Indiana and Notre Dame, then they're going to be well on their way. And, and that's when the league started to develop and you found out that teams like Tulsa were pretty good. Teams like SMU were pretty good. And you didn't know if you were going to play – who you were going to play in the championship game if you got to it, but you had to get there. Um, and even teams like Navy, even teams like Tulane, you know, yeah, maybe the records weren't great, you know, five and seven, four and eight, whatever. But those were teams that took everybody to the wire. And I don't care what you say, working your way undefeated through that league was tough. So, you know, the, the knocking off, Indiana, then Notre Dame, both on the road, both back and back to back, and then running your way through the league, some on the road, some home. Absolutely amazing. It really was. I mean, and people don't realize how hard that is to do. Nobody else in the country did it. Nobody. Jim, Coach Fickle, Coach Fickle talked a little bit about the pressure in the middle of the season weighing on the kids. Could you feel that at all? Or could you see it when you were watching them that – not only did like being perfect wasn't good enough and that's a ridiculous standard to hold anyone to much less college students yeah i, I would agree chad um so we saw after the notre dame game that's when you know all of a sudden the rhetoric started to crank up on the college football playoffs right but yeah. what do you need to get there well and i'm so sick of hearing this term style points you know and and teams like Tulane who are going to give you their best game and are not a horrible football team. Yes, they got, you know, they had a ton of injuries down the road or, you know, after that, and even, even before that. Um, so you, you were getting everybody's best shot all the time. And I did see it, honestly, that middle part of the season. Um, and Coach Fickle, he's so good at deflecting things like that. But even as good as he is, you could tell that he knew – the pressure was on everybody um, because, you know, you, you know, you're, I don't even remember the, exactly, but you're a 22 point favorite, but you only won by 13. 
You're a 24-point favorite, but you only won by 19. You know, you beat these teams on the road. You beat good football teams. Um, but they felt the pressure. They really did. And then, as he said also, Chad, and I agree with him 100%, down the stretch, they they were they were at, they were so much better. And, and I'm not saying it was because that was eliminated, that, you know, they had got that out of the way. For whatever reason, they just played freer. And I think, quite honestly, and uh, I know they're not going to like this down in Dallas, but I think anytime you need you need a big pick me up, play SMU because it seems to be year after year after year. They just, excuse the, you know, excuse the expression, just kick their ass. And um, that's what they did again this year. And that's when things turned um, in my opinion, you know, they really looked good in that game. And uh, from then on, they, they played lights out football. I thought there were peer parts of the USF game where it felt like things were starting to click again. You are correct there. You are and correct. Then, and then they turned it into overdrive against I forgot team. about USF. That that was one. Yeah, no no doubt about it. And and that was one where it looked like, okay, and, and, and I think everybody would agree that was the thing that was the hardest thing to deal with with this team was how at times they could just turn it on and, you know, boom, 21 points in five minutes like they did against Houston. Right. Um, or in t- other times let a USF back in the game. Or, you know, let Tulane get close, let Navy get close, those kind of things. So, but but down the stretch, and I think your your point's well taken there, uh, towards the, you know, towards the end of that USF game, they kind of said, ah, you know, enough of this. Let's get rid of these little guys. And they just kind of kicked them aside. And then the rest of the season went on from there. And, um, you know, they still had some of those, those spots where they were, you know, I won't say hot and cold, but where they would just blow people away. And then other times where they, you know, they'd be a a little bit, they'd stall a little bit, I guess would be the way to put it. I mean, even going back to the Miami game, I mean, I never saw, I never had any type of, you know, feeling that they were just going to score 35 unanswered points in the beginning of that football game. And they did. And then all of a sudden, the third quarter, it wasn't like they let Miami back in the game like they did at other times with other opponents, but they didn't move the ball as well until the fourth quarter again. So, yeah, you know, were they perfect? No, but at the same time, they they got thing they got the ship righted and they really played well and there was a lot of pressure on them in the middle of the season. And you know, if you think about it, turn turn the page and look at Alabama. They had the same thing happen to them. The, the only difference there is kind of midseason, they lost a game. And then they played a couple of guys really, really tight, like Florida, where they let them back in the game and things like that. So it's not unique to Cincinnati by any means. It happened all across college football this year. You you mentioned SMU. And we can't pass through SMU without bringing up one of your uh, more more memorable phrases that you dropped on the uh, Bearcat Faithful. Take us through, you know, Lenny, Lenny Taylor gets a it's a uh, what a false start, right? Brings them back five yards, takes away kind of that that you know drone board up the yep, middle. Yeah, would have been would have been forward from the one. Yep, right, you are right. correct. So, did you have any clue that that was going to be coming out of the playbook at all, or any other way that somehow, some way you you saw it coming, and then all of a sudden that just popped into your mind to call it that? Yeah. So. Um... <laughs> Interestingly enough, um, I, I had no idea that they even had that in their playbook. Okay. Um, as I heard later, I think I heard Des say, 
we've been practicing it for five years, but we've never used it. Yeah. Um, obviously, everybody knows it from, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles. And yep. was it Nick Foles, I think, was the QB at the time? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. They used it in the Super Bowl and they were successful with it. So um, you are absolutely right. Five yard penalty from, takes it back from the one to the six. Everybody's saying, OK, well, now it's going to be tougher to get the ball in. It's going to take three Ford rushes to get it in right. um, or let's get the tight end involved again, like Lenny Taylor or, or, or Josh Wiley or whatever. Um, and then they came up with that play. And then I think it was Dan that said the Philly special. And I happened to turn around and looked at Mo. Well, Mo has this uh, thing going where he has Mo Egger has this thing with skyline chili, right? Where he does a lot with them. And I'm thinking, okay, Philly and Philadelphia, What's synonymous with Cincinnati? And it, it just came to my mind. It's just like, okay, it rhymes with Philly. Let's just say it. Chili special. And uh, whatever. It worked. And it just came <laughs> out of nowhere. You know, as good as Dan Horde is and, and pulls these kind of when a magical moment happens quickly, he, he's so phenomenal with words. That's I, I'm not saying that what I did is on par with anything he did, but it just came from kind of the same thing. I didn't have a chance to think about it. Didn't know it was coming. Never really would have even considered changing the name of it to, to Chili Special. Um, I just looked at Mo and thought, Philly, Chili, uh, why not? It's Cincinnati. Let's call it Chili Special. So, Well done, sir. I'm still well, waiting on my Skyline gift card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big time, right? There. Especially because that'll be – that should be the the voiceover when they replay Dez's only – well, up to now, maybe something – crazy happens in the final correct know, couple games of the season but his only receiving touchdown of his career so you would think so i wouldn't think there'd be another uh, then again he had another reception the week before i think um, okay. where he threw the yeah, ball and it was batted back into his chest and he got it that wasn't a touchdown so uh, <laughs> anyway he has two receptions for the year so but um no nah, i mean it just came out of nowhere and it, you know whatever it, it's when you're winning like that, your your mind's kind of open and free, and uh, you know, as opposed to there, there's times when you know things aren't going as well that I kind of like, oh, you know, you, you get down in the dumps a little bit, and you don't feel as as confident. But uh, I, I love playing SMU, and I'm glad uh, I'm glad Sonny Dykes is moving to TCU. So <laughs> <laughs> now you brought up the the Notre Dame game. We've kind of had this ongoing just conversation here on the podcast about which game was more important to the Cincinnati team. Was it the Notre Dame game or was it the championship, the AAC championship game, in your opinion? Yeah. I know where I stand and I think I, I stand alone against these two guys, but. Yeah. So um, good question. I, so I'm assuming you're thinking even if we still beat Notre Dame, the Houston game's bigger. Is that correct? Well, the way that I stand, I, I lost to Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I think Notre Dame was the most important game in this team's history to this point in time. Yeah, I I would argue that. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you there because I think it edges out the Pittsburgh game in 2009, um, and I'm not taking anything away from Correct. beating Houston in you know in the conference championship game, but I, I do think that game edges out the Pittsburgh game in 2009. The difference there is, and um, um, you know, that was that was to, to kind of clinch an undefeated regular season where the Notre Dame game was not. However, 
Um, I think the Notre Dame game at the time against an opponent like that, even though, quite honestly, through three games, I think that, that was their fourth game as well. might have been their fifth game. It was their fifth. They hadn't had a bye game. yet. Yeah, I, I don't think they were as good a team in game five as they were in game 12. Um, I'm glad we played them when we played them. I honestly wish we would have played them in game one or two because it would have even been, um, you know, we'd even been better shape because they were kind of feeling through that quarterback situation. Right. But I, I would say, I would say Notre Dame edges out the Pittsburgh game, you know, throw the Houston game in there as well. That game doesn't happen. I get, well, I guess it still could have, even if you don't beat Notre Dame, but it, it, it matters more because you beat Notre Dame, but I would put Notre Dame as the biggest one ever. Yes. And, and part of that is just because um, growing up in Cincinnati, you know, I was always a Bearcat fan there. You got a handful of, well, you got a handful of everybody down here. You got Buckeye fans, you got UK fans, you got whatever, but you got a lot more Notre Dame fans than you got some of these other schools. So beating, beating Notre Dame, um, Quite honestly, you know, for the first time you played them, for the most part, um, in, in ancient history and current history, is um, it was big. It really was big, and up there, and you know, they weren't going to do a return game, but you still took the game. Um, and you know, I'd been there for a couple of games to watch. I was recruited there when I played in high school, uh, so there's kind of a, uh, you know, whatever. There, there's a. There's, there's the thing about Notre Dame being big and to go up there and to, and to see that crowd that Cincinnati brought and to win that game and to beat Notre Dame and then to see them go on and win, you know, the rest of their games throughout the year and be 11 and one and literally, quite honestly, come very close to making the college football playoffs themselves. That's a big game. It really is. And so I put it at number one. Um, there's a whole lot of other arguments to be made. Sure. Aaron, in your case for Houston, as well as Pittsburgh back in 2009, there's going to be guys that are going to argue back in 1950 uh, when Cincinnati and Xavier were both undefeated. You know, Um, that was a big game. So there's a lot of arguments you can make along the way. Okay, I I would just say the the weird part about the Notre Dame game is it the rest of everything had to happen. For us now to look back and say that's the biggest game in program history, because if if they don't go undefeated, then it loses its luster some. Not that it loses its luster completely, but it loses its luster some if they trip up somewhere along the way and this team's playing in you know the Fiesta Bowl. Yep, that's where they'd that's be. All. That's yeah. where they'd be. If Notre Dame loses one game, that's where they'd be, no doubt about it. Oklahoma State would be in the playoffs right now, or Notre Dame, assuming Notre Dame continued and went eleven and one. I agree with you, but if Notre Dame would have lost, they wouldn't have made it in either. So it's probably Oklahoma State or somebody like that. I, I agree. A lot of things had to happen, and, and and how about the whole irony of you know Marcus Freeman going up there last year, and it's one of those things where he had so many offers, you know, along the way. And Luke, who like is almost like his brother, said, "Look, you need to, you need to. I'm kicking you out of the, I'm kicking you out of the home, son. You know, you need to. If you want to be a head coach, and and you're going to be a good one someday, you need to move on. You need to get one of these bigger programs. And I'm not sure this is the exact conversation, but he kind of went with his blessing, right? Um, and then he, and then to be playing them this year, 
yeah. number one, and then to beat them by basically everybody that he recruited. And then now everything that's gone on since since then with Brian Kelly leaving and then Marcus ending up as the head coach, I, you couldn't write this script. You really could not. Um, so, I mean, and I think that's maybe – that's not what, if you are a, a true football person, none of that comes is a factor in this, but all of us being around this program and seeing Marcus for the last four years and what he meant to this team and all those kind of things and what's transpired in the last year, it, it kind of adds to me, it adds, it, it adds more to this game. And maybe that's, you know, in the back of my mind, maybe it's a little bit more me than anybody else, but it, it's a pretty magical thing that happened. It really is. And what, that was all without bringing up. I was just yeah. gonna say that was all without bringing up Tavion Thomas. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So, and I just literally, while I was uh, signing on with you guys, I just had a thing come across where Ohio State just had four guys opt out. So, speaking of uh, Tavian Thomas, maybe he can upset the Buckeyes. There we go. They, they lost their wide receiver core uh, a few minutes ago. Or that would be heartbreaking. Ago. Yeah, <laughs> just heartbreaking. <laughs> Very I know a lot of tears over there, <laughs> but uh, we we can't pass over Notre Dame in, anymore without mentioning the the Let's Go Bearcats chant coming out of a timeout. I believe it was like midway through the second quarter, near the end of the second quarter. Were you and Dan able to to catch that pretty pretty soundly in in the booth? Because I, I was up in the press box, and that was uh, one of the highlights of the season for me. Was just how the fan base kind of overtook Notre Dame Stadium at that point. Yeah, true confession. Um, I got goosebumps then. I had a tear. Mm -hmm. um, it was so cool. Um, and we we were on it, it, the way Notre Dame, when you were in the press box, so you know, we, we were on the east side, which doesn't happen very often, right? The, right? Usually the west side is where the press and the broadcast booths are and everything. But they converted that into private boxes. And so we're on the east side and we're right above the UC, not right above, but, you know, kind of out of our our view to the left there. But we were looking right down on them and to see, number one, and, and I got to thank Notre Dame also for saying wear green because the contrast was absolutely oh, amazing. Awesome. And I, I got to applaud the Bearcat fans who in the past sometimes haven't been real good about the red, white, black thing, you know, Um you know, it's like, okay, you know, third of them wear red, a third of them wear black, a third of them wear white. <laughs> that day, and, and not everybody, but the majority of them in red, obviously the Notre Dame folks in green, the absolute contrast of the fans, number one, allowed you to see the magnitude. If you if you didn't hear the cheer, you saw, you looked down and you saw, wow, that's a, you know, hey, that's that's 30%, maybe 35% of everybody in this stadium is a Bearcat. Then when you heard that let's go Bearcat chant, it was right when an injury had taken place, everything was extremely quiet. And all of a sudden that comes out of nowhere, started low, started building. And, and like I said, I got goosebumps then literally had a tear running down my face. It was, um, it, it was a magical moment. It really was. And then to see the, you know, to, to follow up on that at the end of the game, you know, when Des ran over there and a whole lot of the other players and they were, you know, just kind of hanging out with the fans and uh, Des's first throw into the stands aside where he lost the ball. Um, it was um, it, it was it was an unbelievable atmosphere to see. It really was. It was. Now, you bring up magical moments and 
you have a presence on social media, but there was this, a magical movement this year for the Bearcats as Travis Kelsey changes his profile picture to a UC Bearcats profile picture. And then you saw all of the previous Bearcats, current Bearcats, like everyone made sure they had a UC Bearcats football picture in their profile picture. Have you ever seen anything like that? How did that feel for you as somebody who, again, is pretty social media just present? I, I think it was great. And um, what I really like is Travis has taken a beating a little bit, not as much recently as in the past for when he is on, you know, either a Monday night game or Sunday night game where they introduce each other or they introduce themselves rather. And he'll say from, you know, Cleveland Heights, Ohio, and he doesn't say the University of Cincinnati. And he's gotten slammed for that. But what he did with that by starting that movement, um, I thought I thought was unbelievable. And it was amazing to see, you know, day after day after day, guys that had pictures, you know, with their family or just pictures of them as a as a you know, whatever, a 40 year, 40 year old adult or a 50 year adult or 60 years like me, 60 something um, to go back and to put their their player profile picture in there. Um, and then to see all the reaction and people talking about it was fabulous. I actually had a chance on uh, my dad's birthday was um, November 22nd. Right. And um, he passed away in 2009, the year uh, right after the right after the first of the year the year of the, uh, of the orange bowl. And, um, and I actually kind of on a Facebook post, he doesn't have a Facebook page, but I put his, his player picture up there and uh, it got literally within the first day, I think I got uh, 500 comments. So, you know, to do things like that, I mean, that just shows you what Travis started. Yeah. And it, it is really, really cool. And, you know, to see guys still to this day changing over from their normal, whatever their, Twitter, whether their Twitter picture looked like or whether their Facebook picture, I'm sure there's other ones as well, but those two in particular to see everybody change their pictures over. I think it's fabulous. I think it's fabulous. And um, I, I give Travis a lot of credit. So talk about the Houston game. Uh, Got to mention this and then we'll, we'll dive in a little bit more to, uh, to the game that's next on the schedule. But, you know, Houston obviously is right up there with as, as special as, as a game. You know, we already mentioned one of the more important games in program history. When you kind of saw the the seconds dwindling down in the fourth quarter, because I they, they pretty much won it there in the third. And after that, it was just a wait for the celebration. Uh, Correct. Kind of up in the press box on in the booth. What what were you taking in as you saw, you know, the the camera lights on there in the latter half of the fourth quarter, leading into the the rush onto the field and and all the fans being able to celebrate an AAC championship with the team not like they were able to last year. Yeah, so unfortunately, if you think about last year where they kicked a field goal, you know, kind of a walk off field goal, um, and there was what five thousand people there, and most of them were players, families, and things like that. It, and it, and it, it was quite a celebration on the field, um, but at the same time, none of the fans were involved whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, and to see this year, and that was a good Houston football team, really good football team. And have that game, what was it, 13 to 10 and a half? 13 to 12. It was very close. I can't yeah, remember exactly. Or something. Yeah, 13 12, maybe. Um, to that third quarter, you mentioned it exactly, Brent. Um, those three touchdowns right out of the shoot there uh, exploded. And you really thought at that point the game was over. But, um, you know, anything could happen. And, 
that's a good football team. And if you don't play well defensively, you know, they're going to score some points on you. And they did. They scored a touchdown anyway. But to see that coming and, um, you know, just looking around the booth between myself, Dan, Mo Eger, Brad Ellis does stats and sits between Dan and I, we felt it and we knew it was coming. And um, coming down a stretch, let's just say six, seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter, when you knew it was inevitable, you're trying to kind of say, you're trying to hold your emotions down, number one, because you really had the feeling that this was going to be enough to send Cincinnati to the college football playoffs. But importantly, more importantly for the moment was winning the conference, right? So you knew it was coming. Um, I know Dan, he, like I said, he is so good with spur of the moment wording in this particular case, just like at Notre Dame, where we had seven, eight minutes knowing that, Hey, you know, unless, unless the sky falls, we're going to win this football game. So both Houston and Notre Dame were that way. And, and I knew he would weave some magic with his words and he always does. So what I try to do in situations like that, which I did this at Pittsburgh in 2009, I take my headset off and I just leave it to him. It's his, it's his to go. I didn't necessarily take my headset off in this case, but I pushed my mic up so that I could hear what he was saying. And I knew there was going to be, the crowd was getting really, really loud. You could see the students in particular kind of pushing down. And as that game came to an end and uh, you know, I mentioned the tear at Notre Dame, I have to tell you, man, I just couldn't hold it anymore. I was, uh, the emotions were incredible. It, and it's because of everything we've talked about tonight. It was the, you know, the expectations going into the season. It was winning those two games at Indiana and Notre Dame. It was that pressure in the middle in those close games against USF, against Navy, against Tulane. You know, those teams that you were supposed to beat by 20, 21, 22. And then the way that they changed things, like like Chad mentioned at the end of the USF game, and then pushed forward and blew out the last three teams that they played for the most part. Um, you know, even a good East Carolina team on the road. Um, there was never a doubt. And that was the thing that I really liked about this team. I always wasn't, it was like, hey, you guys are letting them back in. But I never felt like, we're not the better team and we're never going to win this. You know, that other, even East Carolina, as good as they are and as good as they were playing down the stretch, I, I knew we, we were going to win. You know, it, it, that's how good this team was. And they played through uh, those things and down the stretch, they played well. And, and so all of that kind of came bubbling out of me at the end there at the Houston game. And then to see literally from the press box, it was like it was like watching an hourglass, the sands of an hourglass. go. You watch the stands go, you know. And everybody was down on the field and that that crowd on the field just grew and grew and grew. And, you know, I shot some pictures on my phone from up there and that crowd was absolutely amazing. And I think I tweeted out just a simple, this is the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. And uh, I got one text or I call it, it was a tweet, but he, God love him. It was a, he private messaged me uh, from a Michigan guy and he sent me a picture of Michigan uh, field after beating Ohio State this year and he goes respectfully this is bigger you know and I said touche yes sir you are correct but your stadium holds a heck of a lot more than <laughs> and he goes yeah be proud of what happened there and, and, and his point was 
and he, and he said it so tastefully, I could never disagree with him. So I'm, I'm a huge Michigan fan right now. Well, maybe till, you know, till the 10th. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But anyway, that being said, it was an unbelievable night. And then the other thing with, with Tony not going sideline this year, um, I've been doing the post-game interviews with Luke, right? All the other home games, I go up to the, to, uh, to the locker room and we record it. And um, it's, a, it's a simple thing, you know. But the problem is coming down from the press box and getting to the field, the players all congregate on that side where their parents and friends are. And you can't get onto the field real easily. So I have to kind of fight my way through, walk across the field, go up the steps, go in the locker room, interview Luke, come back, run back up the steps, give it to Mo. We play the post-game interview. Well, what Mo decided, which was brilliant in my opinion, um, was since they were going to do the if, – if Cincinnati won, they were going to do the celebration uh, with the trophy presentation right after the game. So there would be no reason to go to the locker room. So he got all the wireless gear together and said, let's do this. We'll just send you down right then. As soon as Luke's done getting the trophy, assume, again, assuming Cincinnati wins, you can interview him right on the field and we'll be done. Then if by any chance any of the other players are around, we can interview them as well. And it worked like a charm because, number one, everybody was on the field, so I got down the steps very easily. Well, the problem was then getting into the little barricaded off area where Luke was, where the trophy presentation was, um, was not as simple because you're fighting through, you know, a ton of people. And fortunately, one of the one of the University of Cincinnati police officers, Anna Hamilton County officers, saw me coming with the gear and everything. And I knew both of them and they cleared away for me. I got in there, interviewed Luke. There's a couple of other people in there that uh, I think I got a chance to talk to Gardner, um, Joel DeBlanco. Um, Probably, I was told with caution, Josh Wiley, be careful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, anyway, dump button ready. It worked out <laughs> great. And then uh, I just, uh, you know, headed back up to the booth. But it, it, I got to tell you, man, I, I just laid in bed that night and it was, it was just like everything was going back through my mind. It was a great night. It really was. Now, real quick on, on Dan's legendary calls. Yes. How in the world? He's been doing this for 20 years or so, right? Well, he's been with me for 21. Um, yeah. You know, did he did some basketball 30. at 19. Yeah, he did some then. He did some television. That's correct. Correct. How in the world has he sat on for 20 plus years? <laughs> I know where you're going. Did you see that? Yep. Because that, that might be his most legendary call ever. It I agree. so perfectly delivered. And... I will ask him when I see him. I, I talked to him tonight. Uh, I'll ask him when I see him Wednesday how long he sat on that because you're you're right, Chad. I mean, that's one that um, number one, it was classic. Number two, just like you said, it's like how long's he been sitting on that one? Um, but well done, well done. And he's smart enough to know if like if he had been sitting on it for a while, that was one you weren't wasting on like. Uh, a trip yeah. to, to ECU in in just in November. Nope. nope. No, you weren't going to waste it on the Birmingham Bowl or uh, right. <laughs> no, I, I don't know how long he's been sitting on it, but it's 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 one of many for him. Iconic. Yeah, iconic is right. You are absolutely right. Well, and breaking away like Secretariat at the I, bell. I know. <laughs> See, and that's one uh, that came out of nowhere. But had he. Knowing Dan, he probably uh, 
there was something about Ford earlier in the year that made him think like this guy looks like, you know, he looks like a, a thoroughbred, yeah. you know, and, and, and he does. I mean, the guy pulls away from the fastest people in college football. Right. So I've never seen anything like it at the college level, especially here on a guy that it, it, there's, there's been what six times in his career where he's got to the line of scrimmage and the, like it, that's touchdown. The minute yeah. he was two yards past the line of scrimmage, you know, nobody's catching him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he had four of them over 75 and even the one in the Houston game, he had to make a yeah. little bit of a jump cut, but that 42 yarder that he had there in the, in the, uh, the one we were talking about then, you know, early in the third quarter there. And man, he is, I mean, what you talk about another gear. Woo, wow. Wow. So he, I'll, he's, he's fun to watch. I'll start the Alabama conversation. Okay. What is your reaction to all day today or all evening tonight? Alabama writers being forced to write a narrative that Alabama is going into the Cotton Bowl as uh, with an underdog mentality. With a straight face, professionals are taking what was said (laughs) and not calling BS and running with the narrative that Alabama is entering this game against the Cincinnati, sorry, Dan, fucking Bearcats, as the underdog what are we doing here yeah yeah my guess is um you know that's coming from the top down Um, of course yeah we're not going to hear the rat poison stuff um you know uh and he's he's probably made it clear and and again he doesn't run these guys I, i i get that he's he's the head coach but the narrative from the team's perspective is um, they're going to hold the line and he's told them what they can and they can't say. And, you know, the writers, the Alabama writers, you, you know, you, you know, they're, they're laughing, you know, under their breath as they're saying this stuff um, because, you know, and I'm not saying there isn't some out there that respect what Cincinnati's done and really, probably even think that Cincinnati can give them a game, but there's no way in the world after what they've seen over the last, and I'm just going to say, let's take it the eight years of the college football playoffs, but even beyond that, what they see out of Alabama, they, 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 there's not one of them that thinks that this is going to be a game at all. They really don't. Why they're doing that. I I wish I, uh, I don't know the answer to that, but um, you know, they don't really feel that way. What was your initial reaction seeing today that Cincinnati was the only team that had open media practice as opposed to literally everyone else in the CFP who closed their practices off to the media? Yeah, that's an interesting one because I saw, I think I saw Chad's tweet that uh, we got nothing to hide or something like that. And that's true. Um, But at the same time, I don't, I don't believe that, um, you know, I'm going to use the other game as an example. I don't believe Michigan feared 15 minutes of footage uh, in Georgia finding out what they're doing or even vice versa. Um, I don't know the reasons why. You know, I saw Alabama. I'll give you the reasons why. It's because okay. they were given the option. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. So uh, we talked about this a lot, Jim. I don't think people really have a, enough of an understanding of how ridiculous the level of access that Luke Fickle allows us is 
Um, that is those 15 minutes for 95%, maybe more of the, the power five or the higher level programs. That's what you get. You get 15 minutes at the start of practice and that's all the practice you can ever watch from spring football to fall camp into the season. And at the other places, they don't want you there at all. Like they feel like they're doing you a favor by allowing you in for 15 minutes to watch stretching and two periods of individuals. And then you got to get out. Um, Fickle doesn't see it that way. From my understanding, after doing some more digging today, Cincinnati did not find out that Alabama. So Cincinnati had the early practice. Correct. Alabama was supposed to practice at like three or four o'clock, something like that. I think it was four. They canceled access to their practice as Cincinnati was on the bus uh, to go to practice. So it was too late for Cincinnati to cancel practice today. Um, they have canceled, not practice, but media access to practice. Correct. They have done it for tomorrow. I saw but that. I, there's there's no there's no advantage gained here other than we were given the option to not have media practice. And so everybody understands the media was already instructed that you were not allowed to be on the sidelines. You were to be like 60 yards away from the field. So you wouldn't have had any access to the players or like any chance to uh, create a, a health or safety issue. Correct. There was no social distancing issue whatsoever. But if you give Saban and Harbaugh and Kirby Smart the opportunity to just not have media at practice, 100 times out of 100, they are going to take it. Yep. Yep. Not not everybody allows uh, guys uh, like Chad Brendel to have their own seat at the table at uh, Camp Higher Ground or right. you know, <laughs> places like that. You're right. I mean, Luke's been very gracious. Um, I know when I've reached out and said, hey, I know practice is closed on Thursday. Well, that's okay. If you want to come down for a few minutes, you can, you know, things like that. So um, he, he's been great, you know, and having access and going back to Camp Iron Ground, you know, Chad, you're out there every day, all day. I get out there as often as I can. Yeah. Quite honestly, I like it. I like getting away from work. I like going out yeah. there. I like being around football. But food, and he he really has no problem with us being there. We're not in the way. We don't create you know problems out there. Um, and then obviously, in, in, you know, in, in particularly in Bearcat Journal's case, you guys are good for the program. You know, you're 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 kind of that lifeline between what's going on out there and what people can find out. So. Um, you know, I, I think it's great. And yeah, I think, I think you're hitting it right on the head is the reason they canceled is because they could, um, you know, and I, I think if you were to say, uh, I think, first of all, I think Luke's done a great job and, you know, he's always said, Hey, I live under a rock. I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on. You know, I don't, unless somebody tells me, I don't know what's going on, but he's really, kind of walking the line here in reference to keeping these guys focused, but letting them enjoy this, um, you know, what's going on here that, you know, this is something and he's not taking anything away from his focus on beating Alabama, but he's telling these guys, you know, stay focused on the game, but realize what you are doing right now. You're doing something that a extremely small percentage, I'm not talking about of human beings, extremely small percentage of college football players get to do. 
So, you know, it's not like they're out running around and they're doing this and that socially. They're not. They're keeping it buttoned up pretty close, but he's allowing them to take it in. And, um, you know, I, I think if it was up to Saban, he would just, you know, cancel all the social things, you know, maybe not the visit to the hospital, which was, I think one was today, one's tomorrow, because those things are, um, you know, they, whatever, they make I it. I think it's virtual now. I, I think uh, Well, I think they have virtual. to be with, with COVID, right? Yeah. So the, the I one thing I, to begin with, but I but think still. Alec Pierce, Alec Pierce had a great line today. He said, Luke is asking of us basically get up in the morning, game face, practice, give a hundred percent, focus on exactly what we're doing. When we release you early afternoon, enjoy yourself a little bit, you know, yeah. experience what they're allowing you to experience given, you know, the circumstances go down Correct. to the play, the player's lounge and, um, take in, you know, everything that's being afforded to you. And I think that's the right way to approach it. When we're here to work, we're working at a hundred miles an hour. And, you know, if there's a little bit of chance for you to decompress after that, decompress a little bit after that, and we'll get back together tonight and have meetings and, and get ready to go again tomorrow morning. Well, I think that's the right approach. I mean, if you think back to what we talked about the middle of the season and the pressure on those guys, you know, that's one of the things that he's trying to keep them. He knows they played good football down the stretch when they got all that behind him and were able to get it out of their system. So, you know, to his credit, he's doing the right things. And, um, you know, I mean, not necessarily. Again, I'm not going to – Harbaugh's a different guy to begin with, but but both Georgia and Alabama, they've been there so many times. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a di- it's, it's different for them. It really is. And um, – they're not going to be uh, particularly I'm talking about the coaches, not not necessarily the players, but um, they're they're just going to be that kind of hardcore. We're going to take the rules and bend them as far as we can. And we don't have to do it. We're not going to do it. So it's just the way it is. Tim, you've uh, a little bit more. You know, Chad mentioned Alec Pierce, who who was in the mic today as well. Jerome Ford, by the way, great quote from him today as well. Uh, sure was. You know, Des Ritter as well. It, it, Kind of, you've been there for the Orange Bowl, Sugar Bowl, and the Peach Bowl last year. Is this the most talented and schematic ready for a game of this magnitude? And and why? I know the answer is yes. And why is that answer yes? Would you say? Yeah. Um, well, because I think it's the best team they've ever played. Um, it, it, let's put it this way: I the only game I saw Alabama play uh, was the Auburn game. And they were not spectacular in that game. Um, the downside of, um, you know, broadcasting football games throughout the season is you're catching a little bit of this team here and a little bit of that team here. Some highlights on Sports Center. you know, maybe you wake up in the middle of the night and, the, and a rebroadcast is on and you can watch them a little longer. Um, however, um, Alabama and kind of following them throughout the season – and like I said, the one game that I did watch from start to finish was the the Auburn game, cheering cheering my butt off for Auburn that game. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, um, you know, what they did to Georgia and what they have talent-wise. Now, I realize they've lost a couple of games since then. Um, it, but they, you know, with Menchie gone, you can't – there's no way you can say, well, well, they lost one of their great wide receivers. Gosh, who are they going to put in there? Believe me, they got other guys. They got other guys that are really, really good. 
Same thing at the corner. Um, you know, they lost a the corner. They're going to be fine. They're, they're as athletic as I've ever seen. You look at their coaching staff and you look at the names of the people that are on that staff and, and you go back to the Ohio State game last year um, where they just, I mean, just, just, or was it two years ago, whatever, where they just absolutely blew them away. Yeah, I mean, and it's like you, you're talking about a team that is just talented at every level. Doesn't mean they're unbeatable. It doesn't. So back to, to your, your, your point, Brent, about the scheme is, you know, that's the thing I like about what, what there, there's a couple of things I like about the Cincinnati coaching staff. One is Luke Fickle in particular and the way he gets these guys ready to play. He seems to have a way to know how to deal with them and to get them ready to play. The second thing is, um, is they, the way that they game plan both sides of the football, both defense and offense, um, they, they'll be ready for Alabama. And coach hit on it today, and I've seen the good side of Cincinnati on this, and I've seen times when it's taken them a while, is it's not necessarily how you come out right away, but it's how you adjust early in the game. Um, you know, everybody talks about, oh, let's go into halftime and make some adjustments. Well, that's fine. But if you don't make adjustments against Alabama early in the game, if they're moving the football on you, or if on the other side of the ball, you're having trouble stopping them, um, then that's going to be trouble for you. So. Uh, I, I like what Cincinnati's done there, both uh, Mike Denbrock. I like what Mike Tressel's done. Obviously, Marcus Freeman was, in my opinion, one of the best at that that I've ever seen. Um, he's no longer around, but Tressel's done a great job as well. So those guys, I believe, um, will be ready for that. Um, you know, the one thing that Luke said today, too, that I, that I agree with, but this works both ways, is in three weeks practice, you can throw some, other, you can throw some new stuff at them. Uh, so, but you can't prepare for everything. You just prepare for what you think they're going to do and you adjust from there. And, but Cincinnati at the same time can uh, make those, you know, make those adjustments, create some new stuff as well. Some little bit of wrinkles. You're not going to recreate anything. No need to. Your offense is very good. Your defense is very good. You're in the top 10 in, in, in both offense and defense. You don't need to recreate the, the wheel. You really don't. I think this is the one thing that scared me the most about Alabama, though, is is Nick Saban with three and a half weeks to prepare. I mean, that's yeah, that's never a comfortable feeling when you know Saban's got a lot of time. He's got forty three analysts on his staff. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they they assign one analyst to every person on your uh, your two deep. Like it, they just they're so good at this part. It, it's it. The other thing that relates directly to this is the, like the first game of a season, right? They go in that first game of a season because they've had all off season to prepare for this team and they just beat their brains in. Like for yep. me, the talent, yes, we know. But I, I think Cincinnati, while they aren't as talented as Alabama, if there was ever a chance for, for them to stack up, you got 10 potential draft picks on this, on this team in the, the 2022 draft. You, you've got – high-end talent, but that guy with that much time to prepare, who, buddy, that's a that's a tall task because they're going to be ready. Yeah, you got head coaches that have been in the NFL as well as, you know, head coaches in college football. I'm sorry, you have uh, coordinators, rather, that yeah. have been in the NFL and, you know, at all levels of college football. And you mentioned it, those analysts, um, you know, it, it – 
I remember when before the staffs exploded, uh, the 47 that you just talked about, I can remember back when you were allowed to have an assistant strength and conditioning coach and they hired a former offensive coordinator so that he could right. be around all day when they're lifting weights to talk offensive, uh, you know, whatever offensive philosophy with them. So, yeah, they uh, they're pretty darn good in that regard. And when they have that amount of time, you're, you're absolutely right. But your point's well taken, you know, 10 NFL guys on the Cincinnati roster, potentially. Um, I mean, I was watching, uh, I think it was the Sunday night game last night or might've been, yeah, I think it was. And, you know, it was like six Alabama guys in both, you know, in the starting lineups on both teams. So their talent is, you you can't argue that they, they, they're getting the five-star guys that they, they develop them as well. Um, and those guys move on to the NFL onto the next level. This year, the Bearcats are fortunate. They're going to have probably more than they've ever had go to the league um, in the history of the school, which is which is great. I mean, that's a tribute to the development, and I, uh, I think um, that's one of the things that came up in the meeting today as well. And, you know, it, it's one thing to be able to recruit five-star after five-star after five-star, but to be able to take three stars that Cincinnati's been able to do and make them five-stars um, that that's a that's an unbelievable tribute to Coach Fickle and his staff. I'll let Chad ask about the Jerome Ford quote when he gets to it, but I did want to ask you about the fact that you are notorious on the road for just swinging into anyone and everyone's tailgate. I think anyone who's ever had a tailgate on the road has seen Jim Kelly stop by. So is that something that? at least anyone that I've ever talked to. So is that something that you plan on doing again here down in Dallas? Yes. So you are correct. Um, in, in, to me, college football is the greatest sport in the world. Um, now, I've got an in, you know, uh, it, it, you might say, well, you know, love the NBA, love, well, not the NBA, like, you know, NCAA basketball, whatever, whatever your sport is, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of good ones out there, but the fact that I grew up around it, I played it, I coached it. I've been broadcasting for 31 years. Um, I've had the opportunity to uh, travel to 92 Division One stadiums. Wow. Um, wow. And yeah, so what What I try, and, and I will say this with all honesty, is rarely, and I do mean rarely, it is now, again, I think part of the fact is I'm a, you know, I'm a guy that's up there in years and I, I don't walk into a tailgate where somebody thinks I'm sort some sort of threat because I have a Bearcat shirt on. Right. <laughs> I walk in, I enter, you know, I say, hi, it, I can almost say without, and I'm, I'm not even going to name the places that I've had issues because it's probably not fair, but we'll do that. West Virginia. Virginia. What's that? West Virginia. <laughs> uh, that would be one. <laughs> that would be one. Well, let's just put it this way. They're big state schools. Um, but um, I, I will say this. People welcome me with open arms. They offer me food. They offer me drinks. We talk football. Um, we talk this. We talk this, uh, that. I, I actually ran into a guy running for governor down in, uh, this was years ago in, the, in Conference USA, Southern Mississippi. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have voted for him because he didn't realize that I was from Ohio and I couldn't vote for him. You know, but but that being said, we became good friends, not good friends, but acquaintances. Um, And it's I love it. I absolutely love it. And my favorite tailgate story actually goes back to the Notre Dame this this year is 
the tailgate lot where all my crew was, was about, I'm going to say maybe a half mile away, maybe, maybe seven tenths of a mile. And after the game, I wanted to take it all in and I took my time. But as I walked back, I walked past six or seven different groups of Bearcat tailgates and every one of them offered me a beer and <laughs> I took uh, every one of them up on it. And, <laughs> but we kind of always have this thing as people tailgate and I get back and, you know, people are uh, kind of slurring their words a little bit after a long day of watching no. college football and tailgating. I'm, I'm like totally like, okay, you know, what's going on here? What, you know, and it's like, but I have a slogan and it's, I'll catch up. And I did catch up that day <laughs> <laughs> by the time I got back. Uh, but it was great. Now, and, and, and I absolutely love it. And I try to do it. I will do it in Dallas. Um, I'm going to try to make it out. The um, uh, the Cincinnati football letterman's group has a tailgate out there. I'm going to try to make it out to that one. Alex uh, Apian runs that one. And uh, well, there's a bunch of guys that run it, but Alex is kind of the head of that. I'll try to get it out, out to see them. And, and quite honestly, I'm just going to walk around. I did the same thing um, uh, at the, uh, at the orange bowl, whatever that stadium's called these days. Um, but anyway, um, and then everyone on the road, I Notre Dame, I couldn't get to everyone, but I wanted to. Um, same thing with Indiana, that big lot out there by Assembly Hall. I went through there as, as best I could. And I just, it, it's just always great to come up to people and talk to them. And and like I said, the Bearcat, the Bearcat faithful is absolutely amazing. But even the folks you're playing on the road, um, generally 99 out of every 100 times uh, is great is absolutely great. There was one situation we ran into where we walked through a student lot um, in the South and a full beer can came flying across the parking lot and hit Mo in the face. And that was, a um, that was, that was not good. And we'll, we'll leave it at the South and uh, we won't name the school. So because you- some, some stupid student, you know, who's probably had too much to drink. So. Did you get to watch the roundtable last week with all the former guys? Uh, I did not. I saw part of it on tape. Yes, yeah. It, that was that was put together by Alex and yeah, Alex did. FLC. Yeah. It was it was yeah. it was really good. Right. right. It was really good. Yep. I, I, about Jerome, um, that resonated with UC fans because they have been annoyed by that every never- time they've. Every time they've watched a game on television, it's Alabama transfer Jerome Ford. And he never says anything, ever. Yeah, well, I mean, we've had a couple interviews with him that, that, that have been really good. Like, if you get him in a comfortable setting, he's fine. If you get him in a press conference up in a room and full of cameras and with a bunch of people, he's kind of an introvert. And so to hear him say that today was pretty defining, right? Oh, 100 um, percent defining, Be- you know, and and maybe the rest of the world doesn't know or the rest of the people watching today don't know how quiet he is and how shy he is. I think that was a term we used earlier. Um, and to hear him say that and, and to me, I just wonder. I don't know. And maybe it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Chad, about the the Alabama press how cynical they thought he was being about that, you know, um, or in, you know, and I have a lot of friends also that say, well, why won't they say Tavion Thomas is a Cincinnati transfer? Yeah. You see tra- Cincinnati transfer Tavion Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. 
but it's always oh, the state transfer Jamison Williams. Yeah, exactly. It, or, you know, in this case, Alabama transferred Jerome Ford. They, they don't say things, you know, and, and, and I get, I thought, I don't know exactly what made him say that, but you could not have said it better. He did a wonderful job. And I think that was uh, well-spoken and uh, you know, he, uh, he did a great job. He really did. Before we let you go, um, as is almost always the case when you're playing in Alabama, the game is ultimately going to be decided at the line of scrimmage. Does Cincinnati have enough on both sides of the ball to make this a game in the fourth quarter that they have a shot to win? Yes. I, I, I'm going to pick a side, though. I think the defensive front has to be yeah. – I think they have to be – better than they've ever been. And they've been good. Um, that's where I think they can make a difference. Um, offensively, uh, the Cincinnati offensive line is going to have their hands full. Dez is going to have his hands full. But I do believe um, the defensive front, and I, this is where I like Mike Tressel, um, he can dial up a bunch of different things. And keeping them off balance, if there is such a word for keeping that offense off balance, the Alabama offense, um, that's where the difference is going to be made. And, you know, the good part about that is he knows the secondary he has. Now you don't run against, you don't run up against receivers every day like you're going to see here, you know, on, on Friday. Uh, but then again, you go back to the SMU crew. Um, that was three good receivers that they went up against and they shut them down. Shut them yeah, down. But those dudes are soft. Well, they are. They are. But they also shut the quarterback down. Yeah. Which, when you're not getting the ball thrown to you, they are soft. I would agree with you. Um, so, I mean, I really think – I do think it comes down to to the line play. And I think the defensive line and, you know, things like the occasional corner blitz that we've seen Gardner do here three of the – where he's got to the quarterback three of the four times that he's tried it. I think that's – He got bad. there the fourth time. He just missed him. Yeah, I agree. So things like that. And it doesn't have to be that. It could be uh, it could be Brian Cook coming up the gut, you know, little things like that. Um, you got a heck of a quarterback. You got a heck of a receiver out there. Uh, but you got an offensive line that's a bit suspect in Alabama. Um, uh, suspect might be a bit strong for them. They're not they're not great. Right. Like they, have, they have been at past at the point of attack. That's correct. They're not as solid as they've been in the past. So that's where you can make, you know, you can whether that's you know a sack here and there, whether that's creating a turnover, making a guy throw uh, when he doesn't want to throw, those kind of things. Maybe just making him throw it quicker to where maybe you know you get a you get a pick, uh, get real lucky, get a pick six, uh, create a, you know strip sacks, things like that. You know that's where the difference in the game could be made. Um, it's clearly going to come down to toe to toe um, in reference to those lines. And I think if you looked at one area, the Cincinnati can take advantage of them. This Cincinnati defensive line, um, Cincinnati defense against the Alabama offense. Will you take a minute right before kickoff to just kind of look around and go, holy shit, this is real? <laughs> I sure will. I sure will. 92,000 people? Yeah, I think I will. Um, and it was interesting to hear Des say today how loud he thought it was last night at the, at the Cowboys game and that he's trying to um, – kind of speculate with half and half. And I think half and half might be a little bit of a stretch. And although I have no idea those 
that's that was the way the tickets were allocated to the universities. But whoever bought those tickets, the other tickets, I don't know. It might it might be a little bit more uh, might be a little more Cincinnati people, might be a little more Alabama people, or it could be neutral yeah. people. My guess is probably around 60-40 Bama. I would say Bama, just yeah, absolutely. So, although the distance, I was shocked. I think I saw um, a thing. What was on that? Um, uh, oh gosh, whatever the ESPN thing is, where they asked Sable which uh, which stadium you want to play in, right. and they gave him they gave him the mileage from Cincinnati to Dallas and the mileage from Tuscaloosa to Dallas, and it wasn't as big a difference as I thought it was going to be. And uh, anyway, um, yeah, but I, I mean. You think about the crowd um, and, and going back to your guys' comments about what took place at Notre Dame. You know what? In the Cincinnati crowd, I've never – the UCF game in uh, in 2019 was a very loud game, but those those two games down the stretch this year, the Houston game and the SMU game, were the loudest games I've ever been around. Really were. Yeah. They were. Could, so. One last question for me. As sure. a as as a broadcaster, could you dream up a better you know build up or plot other than you know the the ultimate David and Goliath? Yeah, the ultimate David and Goliath. The finally the the G five is able to burst through and they meet the king right out the gates. And and then just all that being played in probably arguably the biggest football venue in the country, Jerry's world down at the cotton bowl. I just, all those storylines, the, the Heisman trophy winner going against the, the Thorpe award winner and, and another, you know, first team, all America, just, just all those storylines. You, you've got to be sitting there just happy as can be knowing that you can go any way you want leading up to the pregame, leading up to the kickoff. I, honestly, I, the whole year is that way. I mean, there are so many storylines um, you know, and, and what you just said there is it, those are just, you know, some of the things that that have, are current in this game. I, I vote on the Bolitnikoff Award. OK, guess who I voted for to win the thing? Jamison Williams. You know, he didn't win it. The guy from Pittsburgh did. But I watched the guy. The, you but know, he should have. Sh- well, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, again, I, honestly, I believe the reason he didn't win it is Alabama. You know, it's like, ah, they don't need to win another one. They're going to win the Heisman, you know. So, but, but, and and then you you throw him up against the Thorpe Award winner or a guy that didn't win the award, but is a consensus All American on the other, you know, at the other corner. I mean, the storylines are endless. The Jerome Ford Alabama thing, Um, everything we talked about tonight, you know, the Notre Dame game, what happened and had Notre Dame lost a game along the way, Cincinnati wouldn't even be here. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the storylines are endless. It's in, if a group of five team would have ever broke into the college football playoffs, which they did, um, it would have always, well, you would think it would be number four versus number one, right? So whoever number one was, they're going to be pretty darn good. Okay. So number four, you're going to get your shot right away at knocking off, as you guys said, the King. Um, and that's exactly who it is, you know, um, so you, you got to beat them sometime, you know. I mean, it's not like if you were playing either two or three, it's going to be a pushover. Those are pretty good football teams too. You guys, you don't get here, you know, to one through four by by not being good. So um, you know, it's a little different. A little different if there was a twelve team playoff and you know you were the twelfth team 
and you were playing, I, well, however they had it, would have it figured up, there's going to be some buys involved there. But anyway, that being said, um, the storylines are endless. So really are. And I'm saying, woo, right here, I'm the man. <laughs> I love the old Ric Flair line. You want to yeah. be the man, you got to beat the man. Yeah, who, who posted the uh, Alabama fan sitting on the bench outside the general store? Did you see that one? I, I didn't see that one yet. Yeah, well, search for that one. It's, uh, yeah, that, I, I have to be quiet here. So. <laughs> I know, I know. I, and and I still, and, you know, if, if it does, if the unthinkable happens and they do beat Bama, God, I hope it's Michigan. You know, here's the thing. It, it, it's, it's a tough task, no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but they can win. They can win. Yeah. really can. And there's well, not this a is, This is, I think I saw this is the closest point spread in an Alabama game this year. So, literally that, I think. Well, and I'm not sure point spread wise, but I think if you look at the four versus ones over the seven years of the playoffs, the average loss has been by what, 18 points? Yeah. Something like that. So, it feels like more. It might be 20. I'm not sure. I mean, there, but I think there was some down the, Early in the in the thing, I think Washington lost by a bunch. I think Oklahoma lost by a, not not Oklahoma. Maybe Oregon lost by a bunch. Whatever. That being said, um, it might be the closest point spread. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think I don't think Alabama was favored in the Georgia game. I think Georgia was still favored, and that was the first time in years that Alabama had not been favored in a game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Of the I'd games they've been favored, four okay. through thirteen and a half, fourteen is the closest. Yeah. Okay. But here's another thing to think of. If you go back and you take the seven years and you look at the four teams in, and obviously there's been a good number of teams with multiple, only be 13 different teams in this thing since, since day one. And that includes Cincinnati. You're one of 13 teams now to make the college football playoffs. And you're the first team ever from the group of five to make it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, hats off to those guys, wherever this goes, um, you know, they believe they can win. I believe they can win. They're going to have to play a very good football game to beat these guys, but it's possible. And they, we could find them in Indianapolis against, you know, either two or three. We could. Christmas was a couple days ago, but hey. <laughs> Take it again. Let's yeah. keep on celebrating. Well, and anything else for you, Jim? Appreciate you, oh. sir. Okay. Jim, fantastic. Thank Thanks as always, well. fellas. Appreciate it. We'll see you down in Dallas. How about that? It's okay. I'll be down there. See ya. All right. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Uh, see ya. See ya. Wow. No one better to have on to, to talk Bearcats than that. Like that's yeah. that's the pinnacle. That's the top of the mountain. It was excellent. I, I was I wanted to try and ask him about game day, but I couldn't find a way to get it in once you had transitioned to the Alabama conversation. But eh. we'll have him on again. He's Fine. he's always he's always willing. And uh and that's that's the ambassador for the UC football program. I mean, uh, the Hall of Fame, the Jim Kelly Senior Hall of Fame. Like his dad is a legend at UC. Jim Kelly is a legend at UC, and uh, and that's the crazy thing. Like you will, you'll just see him walking around the tailgate, like right an hour and a half before the game. Like as he's going in to go do radio on his way in, he just makes his way through the grid and stops and chats to anybody that wants to talk and the whole like I'll catch up thing. That's fantastic. Like (laughs) I know I've been working all game and you guys got a a seven hour head start on me. I'll catch up, but I'll get there. No, that speaks to the pageantry that he was mentioning of college football. I I mean, there's, 
sure you you have your tailgates for you know for the NFL and, and different things of that sort, but college football is just on a different level. I I the tailgates it's are the tailgating. It's yeah. tailgating for tailgates sure. Are like one of the big traditions in yeah. the stadium. And now we I mean this is gonna be a crazy game on on Friday. You saw the the tweets and the videos on Instagram and things of that of Jerry's World. And it, it looks like the setting for a movie. You know, it it looks like that is where the filming of something monumental <laughs> right. could possibly take place on Friday. It's it's gonna be amazing. Um and I uh, he, he, he kind of is a college football movie, like yeah, for real. And, and can we talk about Cal One? I want to tip my cap to Cal One, who has been in the chat for almost the entire show tonight. And he is clearly an Alabama fan. He's been as respectful as can be. And again, just tip of the cap for his input through this show. It's it's been nice. Well, we got to ask him his thoughts on on the fans wearing black to the game because they uh, <laughs> seem to cause quite a stir among the the Crimson Tide faithful. So nah, here's what I, here's what I was. There's going to be that. a lot of that leading. Here's into- what I would say about that. They are genuinely. I think that's partially a UC fan problem. Play their way through. That's partially a UC fan problem and not understanding the joke. Because Georgia did that and Alabama destroyed them when Georgia had a quote-unquote blackout, right? Mm -hmm. Georgia, that's not one of their primary colors, right? Right. Cincinnati, that's... We've been, what, 15 years now? Come early, be loud, wear black? Like, that is the color you see fans wear. Um, so I think there's just a slight misunderstanding there that wearing black was somehow like a, you know, a shot. I, I don't think Alabama fans were taking it that way. I think they are laughing at Georgia. Okay. At the fact that, you know, Georgia had this big, like, we're going to kick Bama's ass, blackout. Yeah. You know, you're coming to Georgia between the hedges and you're getting the blackout and Alabama was like, okay, it's just like every other game we've played you. We're going to, we're going to stop your ass. Um, so I think there was a bit of a misunderstanding on that end too, that right. Bama fans were joking with each other about, Oh, black and blackout against us. Not a great idea. S Georgia. Um, so I don't think it was as serious as some UC fans took it. Of course we're in that mode right now where everybody feels disrespected about everything. Yeah. So I, that's just how I took that. Am I wrong, Calwan? Calwan will give us the measure there. Like I I think I think that's more of what it was when Georgia fan, or when Alabama fans were talking about the blackout. Fair enough. Yeah, I you know, in, in Chad, I'm sure you and Dave will probably break down the game a little bit more, but it, yeah. it truly does have that feel of a, a really good game out of the Bearcats can go up against Alabama. Well, here's the thing. Uh-oh. Did I lose I don't that? know what's happening. I, I feel like our star our our connection's been something tonight. Dropping off. Um I feel like if Cincinnati can withstand that initial burst. If it's not 17 nothing in the middle of the first quarter, end of the first, you know, end of the first quarter. 
and Bama is like taking UC out of what they want to do already, then I think we're going to get a good game throughout. Um, picking a final score tomorrow night, I would be surprised if I didn't pick Bama. Maybe I maybe I feel a little frisky tomorrow night after doing three hours of radio and you know, jumping on here and um, we've got BCJ Pod tomorrow night. We've got PTP tomorrow night. We want to get all this stuff in. Um, yeah, Shoot. I've got three hours of radio and two podcasts tomorrow night. <laughs> Woof! We'll get all this stuff. Everybody gets on the road to Dallas, so we're we're gonna get it in as as much as we can. Aaron, I, I'm sure probably on the PTP tomorrow or, or when you chime in with the BCJ pod, you'll have some, some thoughts on the game. But yep. kind of what, you, what is your biggest kind of storyline that you are kind of seeing coming into the game on Friday? Well, before I offer that, I did want to, since Chad, I don't believe that is monitor. Uh, Cal one did answer, no, 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 blackout from Cincinnati is totally different than Georgia. So I, I think you did hit the nail on the head from what you gathered, Chad. Um, as far as my storyline – I think you mentioned it with Jim. I think that it has to be the fact that you have the Heisman Trophy winner against a first and and a first round consensus, first round NFL draft pick. I, I think we can all agree. Um, but you also had a first team consensus, first team All American in Sauce, and the Thorpe Award winner on the other side of the the field in Kobe. So it's a hell of a matchup there. I think we're all nervous about the trenches in general. Um, so I, I don't know that that's the matchup I'm going to be keying in on. I think the, the one to key in on is the fact that depending on how much time Bryce Young has in the pocket, can the cornerbacks withstand that time? Yeah. Well, if he has time, it's trouble. Right. Which even which against Sauce and Kobe, because because that, that Jamison Williams is fast, fast, mm-hmm. like fast, fast. So you know, if you give him time to to create separation and space. Then it's gonna it's gonna be a problem because Bryce Young, if given time, is going to find him. I think it'll be also very interesting though to see Maje lined up one on one with somebody as opposed to being double teamed because I don't think he's gonna get the same thing that he got as far as like AAC conference treatment went. Yeah, you know I'm I'm excited to see uh, possibly statement games. You know we we mentioned Mike Tressel and we haven't really said his name too much throughout the year. I you know what if this is a a Mike Trestle statement game where him and Luke conjure up one of the biggest, you know, game plans to combat against the, the Heisman trophy winner. And what was an extremely high powered offensive attack that they had against Georgia. Uh, you know, and, and you mentioned my J what if my J pops off in this game and you know, the, mm-hmm. the counting stat numbers haven't been there for him. What if, what if this is a game that he does finally start to add a little mm-hmm. bit of the counting stats? It's, there's there's so many opportunities for a quote unquote statement game or or wow that was a big time performance out of you know anyone really on on the can, defense, on the offense can side. they can they keep Will Anderson from ruining Dez's day right what if what if Dylan O'Quinn and James Tunstall somehow some way make themselves be like wow that that O'Quinn guy can really really play football or Tunstall. Or if- or yep. if Mets has the game that Hudson was supposed to have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. But yeah, there's <laughs> the the possibilities are truly endless in this yeah. game. And um I'm I'm with everyone that says you gotta come out strong. If if that first quarter is you know, it, it's gotta be like the beginning of the Georgia game in the Peach Bowl. Because yeah. if 
if it's if you're slow out the gates and you're somehow down, you know, ten nothing, fourteen nothing, it's going to be tough, very very tough. But I mean, do they have them in? Do they have it in them to come back? Sure, but I mean, this is a different animal, especially the way they played in the SEC championship game. I don't know. I'm just excited to see the blitzes they bring. You know, like like Jim mentioned, yep. Maybe you have one where sauce comes. Maybe you have Cook coming. A few times we've seen Arquan come on a blitz as well. It'll be a. I, I would I would be careful with sauce though because Alabama is not gonna it, just ignore it, that he's on the field. Right, right, right. So I I don't know the the defensive game plan, especially coming from Mike Tressel. If, if we walk away from this, we're like, wow, that was amazing defense. And you're first you're gonna look at the players, and then you can say, you know what. Trestle put together one heck of a game plan. And I, I hope that's what the case is. Really hope. Um, anything else on this? Because we we got it all deep with, with Jim, and then uh and then we kind of we do have a mailbag still and and kind of really I guess kind of briefly touch on the basketball situation, but I don't think there is much to touch on there other than uh hop on News? Twitter and just look at all the craziness going on in college basketball right now. I was going to say, yeah, the news today that the AAC changed it from a forfeit to a reschedule of the game. So that was. Well, something. a possible reschedule of the possible. game. There is no mandate to reschedule the game. It is right. if you can reschedule the game, reschedule the game. Um, I don't know. What's, what scares me is Tulane's on pause, SMU's on pause. Yep. So you're looking at a possibility of the Bearcats not, not playing for a while. And you see, running a running a content business, <laughs> the possibility of not having a basketball game from December twenty first to like the second week in January is not great. Boy, they better they better beat Alabama <laughs> <laughs> for our sake. Do it for us right. if uh, if this this thing's going to play out for uh, an extended period of time. I, I mean, it, it's scary obviously. And uh, we texted in the group and I just said, it, it's scary to me, but you know, it, it's, it is what it is. And you look around the country, everyone's going through it as far as college basketball goes. It's trickling into the bowl games, but I think both teams are there. Things are safe. So um, knock on wood, but I don't know. It just seems like it's a uh, 2020 all over again when it comes to college basketball and just got to hope that, uh, you know, your your team keeps doing what they need to do and then your opponents do that as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, football's a bit different because you can kind of keep guys apart right. a little bit. And, and in basketball, there's only 13 guys. Like, they, they have to be around each other in close quarters far more often than not. So, basketball is a, uh, a different animal. I know it, it, it seems like football would be because there's so many guys. Right. But – you can have meetings via zoom. Like you can, you can do a lot of things. And then, you know, the majority of football is outside where this thing is a lot less uh, dangerous as we've heard. So we'll see. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to get on the road and get back here in time for a two lane game, hopefully. Uh, But we'll see. I guess that's all we can really say is we'll see. That's, that's all I got on basketball. We'll see. Hurry up and wait. Well, well, well real the quick, how, is, how was the, it the seeing Mama Dudiara? Oh, it was awesome. I love I love Do. Like Do and I Do and I go a long way back. I scouted Do as a high school prospect. 
Um, and I, I covered it, you know, when he transferred here, I was the one I was, I was at an AAU tournament and did his commitment interview from a hotel room, um, at an AAU event. So, uh, dude's my guy. I love Dude. It was great to see him. Dapped him up a couple times, uh, gave him a big hug goodbye when they were, when the game was over and, and he was, he was done. So I, I was really happy to see him, happy to see him doing well. Happy to see him have a good night in a Bearcats win. And and hats off to Wes Miller, too, because he did not have to say the comment that he did leading into his press conference about right. Montague, you know? It, but yeah. that's further proof that Wes just gets it, you know? And whatever it 100%. is, you can... 100%. But he gets it, man. It's 100%. Great. Amen. <laughs> Drink. Amen. Amen, KJ. Drink. <laughs> but, uh, no, so... uh. I mean, anything on the recruiting front? I know there's, I mean. They've been out. I mean, they've been out watching kids, getting an eye on some 23s, getting a head start on things. Right. I think if there's a 2022 edition, it's going to be in the portal. So we're months away from having any inkling what that might be. Um, Football right now, it's, it's all systems go on winning the championship. So that's not to say the recruiting department's not doing their job. It's just to say that everybody's focused on getting across the finish line and, you know, whatever happens from there will happen from there. It never seems to hurt Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, all those guys too much that they're focused on winning championships this time of year. Momentum is momentum, man. Um, So Rayvon Griffith said he's going to be announcing his top 10 shortly or here soon. Um, So obviously something to watch. His I would be surprised if Cincinnati's needs. not in his top ten. Right, right. Oh, little little nugget for all you crazy. I mean, guys. I just—they've done a good job. They've had him on campus multiple times. They're, they've got some traction with him, especially with the Big Twelve announcement. Yep. Like, if they're not in his top ten, then I would I would raise an eyebrow. Amen. Amen. Well, without further ado, are we uh, are we thinking it's time to to hop on in? Sounds about that. Time. Without further, Mama, I do. Ooh, without further, 513shirts.com, do. Aaron, tell him about the hat. Aaron's got his hat. Aaron, it's, let's see the hat. It's upstairs. I'm not I'm not wearing the hat today. But I'm saying tell him about the hat. How well, comfortable the, is that? The hat's hat? comfortable as shit, man. I mean, I'll be completely honest. I expected it to be comfortable, and I'm not just saying this because it's a product that we're plugging here, but it really is a very comfortable hat. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. It's a. And where can the fans get the hat? They can get it at 513 shirts. I do also have the uh, the flag here, the Junk de Huvant hat that they uh, they brought back. It is now back in stock, to my knowledge. Um, so that's uh, something else that you can get there if you're looking for a flag to add to your tailgate, to your front door, uh, anywhere that you want to fly. Oh, oh, Chad's got a Whoa. real one. Look Chad at that. Also. Look at that. He's going to have that thing flying from his Winnebago coming all the way down <laughs> to 513, baby. <laughs> it's, going, it's going up here. I just didn't have a chance to get it up today after it arrived. Fantastic. But uh, Mike, was, Mike was great enough to send me a copy, a, a, a real live Junkta Kuvant. Junkta Kuvant. Boom, baby. 513shirts.com. Check them out. Buy your BCJ gear quick. 
might not get it before the game, but you'll get it right after the game. You can well, wear it a little bit later to Indianapolis. And I don't, I don't know if you saw the brands coinciding, but uh, Joe from Danco Transmissions had the Bearcat Journal hoodie purchased from yep. 513 Shirts on in one of his Twitter pictures. So, you know, people helping people is a beautiful thing. I think I'm aiming for like right over here with this thing. Well, I mean, you got a eight by I, I eight say by probably six. hang it up so you can see. You know, you've got like an well, eight by seventeen flag from Galactic Fried Chicken. You have to make fit on that wall too. So I know that's what I'm thinking. Eight foot by seventeen foot. No, oh, it's, it's big. It's it's big, but it's not quite that. It, it doesn't. I, the problem is, it just doesn't. I it there's it doesn't yeah. fit here. Yeah. Well, I've worked on I've worked on trying to make it fit, but it doesn't. Not touching I mean, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's usually when you chime in, Chad. But uh, you set yourself. <laughs> uh, well, let's do it. Five one three shirts dot com. BBP mailbag. Aaron Smith, take it away, brother. All right. So starting in the football portion of the mailbag, uh, any names to watch on the second signing for twenty twenty two yet? Uh, of course, that comes from Bearcat Nation 11, who cannot get enough recruiting. You no. love him, man. Gotta love him. No. Gotta always, love pl him. always playing the hits, that one. Not yet. Uh, with all of the free CFP advertising, is Under Armour offering UC any additional money to cover the money that screwed us out of by – that they screwed us out of by terminating the contract early? The drone and fireworks show was cute, but self-serving for Under Armour. No. All right, but, making these easy. You're making these real easy today. But it's awesome to see, though. It was it was a cool show. The sea pool in the sky was with the fireworks. With the fireworks was as good as it gets. You'll be seeing that picture for a long time. Yes, you will. Uh, with Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame and UC moving to the Big Twelve, would there be a possibility in a Shamrock Series neutral site game at Lucas Oil at some point in the future? Maybe. I don't know. I, I I know friends usually don't like playing each other, um, but we'll see. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't seem likely to me. Yeah. But I, I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say no per se. And also, it's it's like so so far in the future type thing. I I feel like it's not something where it would be a a future announcement you know what i mean so yeah there's nothing in the works now they're just saying with freeman like would that would that open the door um i know from dealing with coaches for a long time they generally don't love like going up against someone they know that well yeah uh, just because of the challenges it presents but yeah. notre I mean, dame doesn't want us, notre dame doesn't want to want to offer us the opportunity to play them again at a neutral site? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we do a home and home, but we're our, you're only going to come to our home. No more to your home. No, and, and I'm sure Freeman probably didn't love having the Bearcats come to Notre Dame Stadium this year either. So No shot. No, we'll see. Especially Any small out. possibility? Sure. I, I won't rule it out. I just don't think it's uh, likely. All right. Um <clears throat> Has Chad figured out the podcasting schedule this week? I know there was talk of doing it Tuesday before, during, after the Houston game, but I'm sure that's changed now. We kind of alluded to this earlier in the show. We're going to have to do BCJ and PTP tomorrow. Uh, Dave is getting on the road Wednesday. I am getting on the road Wednesday after I get done with Mo. 
I'm on um, the road Wednesday. You're on the road Wednesday. So there's just not going to be a Wednesday path uh, to doing one, I don't think. Um, so I, maybe if I get bored during a, a shift that my dad's driving, that uh, I'll, uh, I'll try to do something, do a live, you know, Periscope, Twitter live, jump on Facebook or jump on YouTube and do a YouTube live, something along those lines. Uh, but for the most part, the plan is we're doing both of those podcasts tomorrow night. Uh, hopefully we'll get them done to where there's not too much overlap. So everybody can, can take them in if you want, or if you're planning on consuming the audio, you know, five, six hours of audio on your drive, that'll be available to you. What should be interesting is seeing what we're able to do with the nightcaps while we're down in Texas. Oh man. Yeah. Hopefully it's, it's live at a special place. With with special friends, how about that? I I think I'm probably gonna be with a buddy of mine that um, now lives in Dallas when I'm down there on on Thursday night. So I don't know that I'll be out, you know, partying with the the the, the Bearcat crew too much, unless we just go somewhere that's that's Bearcat centric. But um, it's a friend that I haven't. He moved to Dallas like five, six years ago, and I haven't seen him in a long time. So we're definitely going to catch up for uh, for dinner and some drinks. We didn't plug, but is the the Bearcat radio show, is that Thursday night? I believe there's a Luke Fickle radio show Thursday night, yeah. Yeah, that Dan and, and Jim are going to have there. So yeah. that'd be We that'd should have talked to Jim about that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Them all. Well, we at least mentioned it before the show was over, so. There's something to be said for that. Uh, if you were the defensive coordinator, would you think it's a better plan of attack with sticking with the 3-3-5 or the 4-3? I asked this since Young is a freshman quarterback, and I believe Alabama is preparing for UC to play a 4-3 this game, the same as we did versus Georgia last year. Uh, I think they're preparing for UC to play the 3-3-5. That's what they played a majority of the time. Alabama is not a like the reason you played the four three last year against Georgia was Georgia was a dominant run team and you wanted to make sure you did everything possible to stop the run. Uh, Alabama has not been a dominant run team this year. Alabama's maybe the best passing team in the country outside of what's probably Ohio State. Like those two are the top two. Um, you have a Heisman Trophy quarterback. You have an elite wide receiver. Uh, I think you have to do in coverage whatever you can to stop Alabama. Taking a defensive back off the field does not seem like a good way to uh, to do that. Plus, you don't get a lot of three three five in the SEC, so that's not going to be something that Bama is you know completely comfortable with. Um, so was it was it Arkansas that runs the three three five that they struggled with? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I, I think I think. Three three five with pressure, and well, yeah, and, and the loss of Mechie's big, and I think that yeah, that's going to kind of be a uh, a thing that Trestle will use to advantage to his advantage. Where, like you said, you're in that three three five, but you might be bringing five, you know. And I, but I but I also think like if you look at what Cincinnati's weaknesses have been, like you're going to see a lot of slants, you're going to see a lot of crossers. Um, you're going to see a lot of quick timing stuff from Bryce Young early, I think. Um, so the chess match of this is going to be fascinating. I, I do think you'll see four, three 
um, as we get into, you know, the, the past obvious passing downs like they've shown. Um, but I think Cincinnati will probably stick to, to what's got them here. And be nice. Dublanco and Huber both are also players who have done a good job kind of shadowing the opposing quarterback. And well, least- like you saw DeBlanco yeah. cut cut one of those crossing routes for an interception at the beginning yeah. of the second half against Houston. So right. the ball was in my hands and then I, I had to run with it. Right. <laughs> oh crap. Uh, out the ball. <laughs> what a great dude. Uh, it's the Bearcat O-line versus the Alabama D-line, the single most important matchup in this game. If so, what is the second? I, look, Ahmad Gardner against Jamison Williams is the single most important matchup in this game because Cincinnati's ability to eliminate one side of the field has been a defining trait all season. If that is not the case and Jamison Williams is getting open – it opens up so much more that the Cincinnati defense is not going to be accustomed to fixing, right? right? Like, how do you plug that hole that you haven't seen unplugged the entire season? And really for two seasons, two and a half seasons. So that, I think, is the single most important matchup because with Mechie out, if Jamison Williams doesn't have the ability to get open, where does Alabama's passing offense turn? Because it's not like they've got, you know, a, a, an NFL-ready tight end, and they've got a bunch of young guys that they're trying to uh, push into the spotlight with Mechie out. It, it's Sauce versus JMO, man. Like, it, it's the marquee billboard headline matchup for a reason. If if JMO's open, the Cincinnati defense is is they've got a lot to figure out on the fly. If he's not open and they can play like they've played all year, advantage Cincinnati. But but also say JMO gets gets shut down and Bama's gets gets held to, to 17 points. I if the Alabama defense line is dominating Cincinnati. Sure, that would be second for me. Yeah. But the marquee matchup is the marquee matchup. Look, Alabama's going to, like I said with Jim, Alabama's going to stop the run. Like They're averaging, what, 2.5 yards of carry? Mm -hmm. Opponents are averaging 2.5 yards of carry. So Jerome Ford's going to need to have a a good game. I don't think he's going to have a great game because it's just not likely against that run defense. If they can keep Des Ritter upright and and have the ability to make plays, and I guess the other big question, and we're giving away all my my material for tomorrow, is is there where can Cincinnati hit a spurt? Right. Like we've seen so often. Is there a 21-point quarter? Is there a point in time where – they have three straight drives, bang, 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 touchdown, turnover, touchdown, you know, touchdown, where they get that momentum and then they can they can handle. If Alabama scores 17, 24 points, Cincinnati's going to be right in that 17, 24-point range, right. and you see what happens at the end of the game. All right. Man, I'm excited. Agreed. 
Um, <clears throat> what is the most important body part? I think this is my favorite question in the entire mailbag, by the way. <laughs> uh, what's the most important body part that you'd be willing to sacrifice for UC to win the national championship? What, well, what are the only things you need to just be alive? Everything pretty much Brain, from, heart. from your head to your thighs. Well, I, like, I don't know, man. I had a neighbor that lost a pinky toe and he really struggled balance. after not having that pinky toe balance. Okay. That balance, balance get you. I mean, I, it, like your pinky, right? Like that's, that's the easy one, right? Middle toe. Yeah. Maybe a middle toe. What, what the hell does a middle toe do? Ear. I saw someone say ear. I'm not giving up the whole ear. Massive. That's a big, that's a big sacrifice. Like Tim those. Adams used to only be to only be able to hear out of one ear, and that was a pain in the ass. Because then, <laughs> like, if I we were doing a segment and I was asking him questions, we had to like on the other side sides, and that was I couldn't imagine only like having a hearing out of one side. That was I'd, tough. I'd give up all my teeth. <laughs> you can get fake teeth. Yeah, I'd get fake teeth. <laughs> I don't I think that's see that coming. Answer. I don't I just, think that's a terrible answer. I didn't no. see it coming. Heck, I'll get a prosthetic leg if it guarantees a national championship. No shot. How about the pills? Like, you, if you're not trying to make kids, you really don't need those. Oh, We've man. gone into places I didn't expect us to go. <laughs> I'm answering the question. You're Vrabel. You're you're Mike Vrabel. I love it. <laughs> I'm only like I because of Kelly. I can't. I, we can't have another kid. So. so I give I, up the pills. Yeah, I mean, shit. <laughs> I like to think I'm still in my prime. <laughs> you like to think. I like you to are. think. You are, Aaron. I, 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 I approve that message. All right. Um, any Dallas tips for those that will be there before the game? Is it worth it to make a trip out to the team hotel if you are not staying there? This year, probably not. You are not getting close to the team. Sadly. Uh, yeah, but that's that's the nature of of the beast, right? You go to the team hotel, you're not getting close to the team. Battle of the Bands, I hear, is an awesome thing on Thursday night. The two, uh, the two pep bands, Alabama and Cincinnati. Texas um, Live on Saturday too. Texas Live after the game sounds like it's going to be a pretty big deal. But the question was before the game. Or maybe it's Friday. I'm sorry. Maybe it's it's Friday night that they're doing a Texas Live, like. Cotton Bowl live at Texas Live, I believe. Probably both nights, really. Yeah. Um, Texas Live is right there at the stadium. So, um, yeah, going to the team hotel, I don't know that that's going to get you any desired uh, return on investment this year, unfortunately. I wonder if, if they, like, will kind of police that. Because in years past at, at the big bowl games, and obviously years past are way different than this year. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they, they they want the game to happen. Yes, which which is what I hope is what they do. Because man, years past there was getting real close and comfy with some of the guys on the team. But yeah, if you're talking about the Sugar Bowl, we've touched on that with other guests before. Yes, we have. <laughs> there are certainly some people out on. Bourbon a lot Street. of a, a lot of a lot of guys on that team were in touch with a lot of things over the past <laughs> couple of days in New Orleans. Look, 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 clip, and you look to your left. You're like, "Whoa, what's up, man?" 
Yeah. Hey, Marty, how you doing? I don't think that'll be happening at all no. in this one. <laughs> it wasn't him. It was another guy with seashells in his hair. Amen. It's fine. Amen. Yeah, that's it. Uh, what time does the official Bearcat tailgate start? Where exactly is the tailgate located? How much dollars does it cost? Go Bearcats.com. I, I, I don't work in that department. I don't, I don't know. But uh, I think that there are some other ones that you can find information on as well with Republic of Cincinnati and some different other tailgates that are still trying to figure it out as they get down there and things are adapting on the fly. But I bet you could probably just hop on Twitter, type in like hashtag Bearcats space tailgate, and I'm sure you'll you'll find a lot of info you need. Get some pops. <laughs> Plenty. We're black. Right. But um, not to disrespect Alabama, just because the right. team colors are black. Fair. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving the, the team to- had, let's just say, with no coaching staff. The Bearcats had a lot of fun at the Sugar Bowl in 2010. A lot. Yeah. I can New Year's Eve, like, so this is a, the Bearcats enjoyed the party of New Orleans on New Year's Eve. Let's just say and, that. Yeah, man. I mean, New Orleans is just a demon within itself, man. Sheesh. The, the Big Easy. All right. Basketball portion of the mailbag. It is the 513shirts.com BBP mailbag. Whoa. Uh, is this the end of a, I, I think that this was probably supposed to be in the football portion, yeah, but it's no, the no, first this question. Is a joke. This is a joke. All right. All right. There has been a, like a spam bot on the basketball board that has posted a thread about this is the, is this the end of Ohio state? And is Nick Saban going to retire this year that I've had to block like 30 of them every morning <laughs> I wake up. Really? And there's a, like two or three new threads. Is this the end of Ohio State? And is Nick Saban going to retire this year? On the basketball thread. On the basketball board, yeah. Board. Wow. That's like yeah. that's like when when on the baseball board there was someone posting crazy for yeah. a while. Yeah. Who has time to set up a bot to do something like like why? I guess it like clearly the answer is it gets some clicks somehow. We're luckily we're uh, we're on the board enough that we're on top of it that it gets deleted pretty quickly, um, but yeah. So if you if you guys see either of those, uh, just delete. Them. Yeah, thanks. All gotcha. right. So do you have any answers for those questions? <laughs> no and no. Uh, no and no. Fair enough. Unless no, I'm not even gonna know. All right, how are our committed prospects for 22 looking for hoops? Uh, it would be cool to get updates maybe on a monthly basis on their high school teams and individual performance, similar to what you all did for the football commits. I really enjoyed that content. Aaron, get on that. Yeah, right on it. Uh, um, Reed and Skillings are looking good. Um, you're starting to see Sage start to get some more minutes, um, which has kind of been, you know, he's been limited 10, 12, 15 minutes. Uh, as he comes back from his knee injury, um, Reed and Skillings are as advertised. They're long, they're skilled. Um, they, they're both looking good. So stats wise, I think Sage had like a fourteen and ten game the other yeah, day. Yeah, he's getting there. He's starting to round back into form. Right, and then, I know people got like stressed out over the first like three weeks of the season. Like his numbers weren't great. It's like. The kid's a seven-footer coming off a knee injury. Like, right. let the coach be smart and work him back into where he needs to be. 
And I think those guys probably discounted the injury part of it a little bit. And uh, yeah, and also, I I saw Skillings recently had like a thirty five point game. And I mean, any any time, yeah, anytime you look and see, um, Skillings is putting up like twenty, twenty five, thirty plus. Uh, and and people and are saying not far scoring, off. Score, yeah, scoring from all three levels. Reed, I've seen a lot a lot of posts about his passing ability as well. So, um, man, it's a lot exciting. of skill offensively added to this roster next year, which is the, the clearly the biggest uh, gap in where the Bearcats uh, are right now. So that's a good thing. Skillings would be awesome on this team right now. And Aaron, once a month, get some updates. Okay. You can do it. Okay. It's the first time I've even been asked to write basketball stuff. So, <laughs> all right. Um, with downtime, instead of using game prep, does focus just shift to two-lane game prep, or do you think they'll take the luxury of the extra time to really work on specific packages or actions to get better bit by bit, pennies at a time? So in basketball, really, you don't generally prepare for anyone more than two days. Yeah. That's about all you need in terms of this is what they do. This is who they are. This is, you know, like what the scouting report is. Uh, so they'll be working on, you know, individual skill development, individual development of, you know, adding to the plays that are in, expanding on the plays that they already have, uh, putting in some new stuff, maybe continuing to work on zone defense. You know, I think Wes had a, such a great point the other night after the uh, tennis. Tennessee Tech game that look, the things that we have been working on we're getting better at <laughs> and the things that we haven't been working on as much are maybe yeah. slipping a little bit yeah. because that's the nature of the deal man like the stuff that you focus on the stuff that you're drilling hard this is what we're you know improving improves but there's a sacrifice to that because you, you can't work on everything all the time. Well, isn't so, there, isn't there a scientific theory to that where every action has an equal and opposite reaction? Correct. Wow. There was. I'm here for that. So, yes, they are taking this time to work on more of all of the things instead of focusing on two, a two-lane game that they don't even necessarily know is, is going to happen right now. Well, and, and also to your point, Chad, when, when year two comes and the continuity continues, then, you know, the things that you were working on a bunch in year one kind of stick with you, then you can focus right. on the other steps as well. So, right. yeah, I, and, and unless you're playing Ashland, you've got about 30 minutes of preparation game prep. That is so, so. a little bit different scenario. <laughs> All right. I've noticed that coach dollar has moved and that's Chad dollar has moved around a lot in his coaching career. It seems like UC is his 12th school since 1999. Is this normal to see in the coaching industry or is there some reason he changes jobs so often? I'd expect someone to keep a great recruiter like him for as long as possible. Guess what? If you're a great recruiter, a whole lot of people want to hire you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you look so, at his boots and it's never like, a step down it's just right it's it's constant like you know and and that's for a lot of guys that are career assistant coaches as he's been to this point like 
There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of what you also have to remember is a lot of times these guys are only working on one and two year contracts. That's starting to change some now with the amount of money that gets thrown around where you're seeing some three in a, in rare cases, four year contracts for assistance. But when your contract is renewable every year or every other year, and you have the reputation of being able to get the job done, there's a lot of people that are, that are going to come calling. You're going to have a lot of decisions to make. Uh, and, and sometimes that got leads to guys bouncing around a lot like Coach Dollar has. So. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but when he came here, one of the things that he didn't have the opportunity to do at Georgia that he had the opportunity to do here was actually coach as opposed to just recruiting. Yeah, I think that's another thing is, is and look at this however you will, but a lot of the young black assistants in the game are brought in uh, to to recruit and they don't get as much respect as as floor coaches. And I think Wes was giving him the opportunity to to prove his medal, to show his chops as a, a coach on the floor. Um, so that is something that I think uh, was appealing to him about the Cincinnati job. So just wanted to throw that in there. But there's a lot of there's a lot of these you know young black coaches that that really aren't even asked to like be at practice, like just be on the road. And if you happen to be in town today, stop by practice and uh, see what we see what we got going on but they're not heavily involved in like the the scouting and the day-to-day game planning um at a lot of places so that was where that comment came from when coach Schaller made it all right uh where do you think skillings and josh reed finish in the 2022 rankings been a while since we landed multiple top 100 kids in a class feel like we especially need these two to be ready with our lack of size skill on the wing not to mention rebounding at those positions i think they'll probably end up ranked in a similar position that they're at now um i I don't foresee uh like a fortuitous jump for either which i don't think really matters um do they need those two to be ready? Yes. Size and skill on the wing is a deficiency of this team. Both of those two guys have those qualities. They have the ability to score, pass, rebound, facilitate. You know, it's they are huge pieces of the West Miller era, and they need them to be ready to contribute pretty early. You've seen both these guys play. So with that said, do you see that hunger, that grit, like an SK or like a Troy Copain or somebody who isn't afraid to, or Jaron even like who isn't afraid to have the ball in their hands and be the guy? So far, yes. But ultimately, you never know that actual answer until they're in college. Okay. Because there's a lot of guys that show it at the high school level, right? Because they're just better than most Everyone everybody else them. they're playing. So it yeah. looks like it. Until they really are here and you find out what their work ethic is really like, that's a question you can't answer. Like, that's one of those things that has to be tested and proved at the next level. And, right. and as, as far as rankings go, uh, Skillings was tabbed as like a late bloomer this summer. Yeah. I mean, Would, he might jump up some, but like, right. uh, do the National Scouts put more into the how those late bloomers performed through the high school season that year, or is it kind of like, it's kind of 
plateaued to where it needs to be? Um, I, I think they've made the mistake of now they are like, where do we project you to be, you know, five years from now, which I don't like. Yeah. Um, Cause I just don't think it's fair to the kid. Right. Like, I think if you're, if you're scouting, like, where is this kid now? And what does he reasonably project to as like a sophomore in college, right? And then you go from there. But that's, that's a personal thing. There's no way they're going to agree with me because ultimately what they really want to do is they really want to say, we predicted this kid was going to be, you know, an NBA guy. And now he's an NBA guy. If you're right on, he was three, terrible you're right on 10, then right. they'll remember the three. <laughs> right. Aaron, you're muted. Thanks. We can't hear uh, you. Thank you. Uh, last last question of the basketball mailbag. Can you do a quick synopsis of roster construction for 22-23 for meaningful roster spots? DDJ, Ado, Koval, would graduate but replaced with the three commits. That's already 12. Is there a definite impact player or two to transfer in from the portal or JUCO, or is the focus on 23-24? You want me to answer if there's an impact player to transfer in from the portal in three months? Yes, there is. He's not sure. there yet. Yeah. I don't know who he is. I don't know his name. I don't know from. I don't know anything about him, but yes, there will be impact players available in the portal. Kidding aside, they're gonna—I think they're gonna have to look for a big in the portal. Um, be it a power forward or a center or a combination of both, um, you're gonna have to go get somebody that that gets on the glass. Pretty, yep. Angry rebounder. I think is what Wes yeah. is uh, really looking for. Uh, and, and, or and or a guy that you can you can throw it to on the block and have him get you some buckets. Right. Because outside of Vic, that and, and Odie at times, that's not really something this team has shown as a strength. So I think you're going to have to go get uh, a guy with one or preferably both of those traits. Yeah. Um, roster construction. I mean, you you know. The Julius does have an option of coming back if he's so desired. I don't know if he's interested in in using that option or not. Uh, Ado and Koval, Koval, sorry, Adu and Koval uh, are out of options. They are they are playing the final seasons of their college basketball career, uh, and then Rob Banks will be off scholarship. Um, so technically, with Sage, Skillings, and Reed. With the current configuration, they would be at 13, which is the full load. There will be changes to the roster above and beyond that, what they are. No idea. We're three months from figuring out what that might be. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. That's a cliffhanger. Before we move move away from basketball, though, a, a quick shout out to uh, Trey Scott and Jaron Cumberland. Yeah. And- Man, Stevenson, I I mean, it's just, you know, obviously circumstances are what they are, but all of them getting a shot is is a pretty awesome thing to see. Love to hear it. All right. 
and into the bank's portion of the mailbag where we can always depend on skins to drop us something. Since I tested positive for COVID today and have 10 beautiful days of quarantine with my wife, let's go a different route with my question this week. Maybe only five now, Skins. Maybe only five. Yeah, the CDC did change some of that stuff today. Assuming my wife kills me during the next 10 days, is it considered justifiable homicide? I think we can all agree. Yeah. Resounded yes. Absolutely. What you Uh, got to do, you you got to come up with a situation like Kelly and I have kind of uh, perfected where – she has her spot. I have my spot. If we want to like watch TV or watch a movie or do something together, it is generally at her, like where she is most comfortable. <laughs> but for the most part, she gets her spot to do whatever she wants. And I stay the fuck out of her way <laughs> because that makes her happy. <laughs> the less she has to deal with me, the happier she is. So, Follow up. Follow-up question. What are your favorite TV shows so I have something to binge watch? Uh, is 24 available to binge watch? Like, can you binge watch the old 24? Uh, if, somewhere. If you download the app Just Watch, uh, it'll tell you where you can stream any TV show or movie. The first, like, five, six seasons of 24 with Keeper Sutherland were just so innovative in terms of, like, where television is now. Like there's so much stuff we're getting now on like Netflix and you know the streaming services that were a product of 24 thinking outside the box with that format of every show is one hour in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm a huge, huge 24 guy. Um, succession. Also, if you can, Succession, I've heard is really good. I I don't have chance. Like I can't speak on new stuff. I just don't have time to like sit down and do it anymore. Like generally every weeknight I'm sitting here talking to you jackasses every night. <laughs> Yo, I'm, at a game. I'm either at a game or I'm talking to you jackasses and Dave. Same. That's, that's what I do, right? I'm Thanks. on with you guys every time. Anyway, so. No days. Um, I also. Breaking Bad. If you want to throw in a little, little old school boy. What was the first one? Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Yellowstone's pretty good. Also, one I would highly recommend just because I used to love it was Boston Legal. Boston Legal. Did you ever watch uh, Boston Legal? No. No? Yellowstone. I was just so going to say Boston, Ye- Boston Legal was James Spader, who is yeah. the, the guy from The Blacklist, Yeah. who is phenomenal, and William Shatner. And they were lawyers in Boston and kind of like a little loose with the uh, interpretations of what the the law might have actually said. And they would have these little like sit downs with the two of them where they're smoking cigars and drinking scotch that were just phenomenal television. I think Murphy Brown was on that show for a while. Mm -hmm. Like it was it was a really good TV show that didn't get. It, it never popped quite like it should, but it was fantastic. Yellowstone, you can actually watch with your free subscription to Paramount Plus when you subscribe oh, to Bearcat Journal. So this is why Chad made me the executive producer. You're welcome. Um, uh, and what else? What throw out some more? We got we got some more for him. Maybe what, uh, more more shows. Game of Thrones is an easy one if you haven't watched that. That'll 
that'll get you through 10 days of quarantine. Easily. I've heard a lot of people saying The Witcher is actually better than Game of Thrones, but I haven't given any time of day to The Witcher yet. I haven't tried it yet. Uh, doesn't um, Disney pops with uh, Boba Fett? Disney Plus Wednesday. has a lot of those Marvel and Star if you, Wars. If you haven't done The Mandalorian, The Mandalorian was was outstandingly well done. Yeah. Yeah, and, I heard uh, all every single one of the Marvel ones got great reviews, but I haven't yeah. had a chance yet to catch Hawkeye, but I did see uh Venom 2 and Spider-Man this week and I saw No, the one. shows, the shows on Disney Plus. No, the, I know, I, I haven't had a chance to catch Hawkeye, which Hawkeye. is on Disney Plus. Um as the Marvel stuff I liked, is. I liked Ozark. I liked uh, Ozark's coming out with a new season in end of January. Finally. Right. Um, I know Kelsey's big on Stranger Things. Stranger Things. I love Stranger that, Things. That's got a new season coming out soon, too. Yep, 2020. I don't know what time in, in there, but. Yeah. Um, and Skins ends it. Uh, P.S. Fuck COVID in the irony that I was scheduled to go get my booster shot tomorrow. Ooh. Yeah, that's are, are you allowed to still go get the booster shot, or is that no? You have to wait. Uh, I think it's at least thirty days, if not sixty yeah. days. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. uh, that was why when I caught COVID, I was in between my shots, and I had to wait to get the second shot until after it was a mess. Man, what a what a world, man. Jeez. Um, kudos to Kana too, who followed up skins with the uh, once again immunity is back up for grabs. <laughs> that was great. That, that was, was fantastic. <laughs> well done. Um, UC Merck asks, uh, what what was the best football-related question, best basketball-related question, and funniest bank-related question? I don't remember anything. Well, I don't the, know the, bank, the banks have to be the, the children's cartoon that was diatribe great. that led to fuck Caillou, right? <laughs> I don't know. The, uh, the, the strip club song one, you guys were able to take that. That was a great one, too. That was a good one. That was a great one, too. I just don't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. So I, I can't tell you what football-related question there was, what basketball-related I mean, we've had – look, we wouldn't keep doing the mailbag if we didn't get good questions. Right. Yeah, you guys are doing a great job. So um, we, we appreciate any and all of the feedback that we get because this is I, – I think I speak for all of us when I say this is one of my favorite segments that we do in all of the podcasts across this Bearcat Journal yeah. network. So. Um, the fo- the best football requ- related question had to be some like seven hundred and fifty word Merck biopic, well, uh, asking us to rate things. That, <laughs> we've I, we've also had some really good like who would be your best people at this position of all time in Cincinnati, where we had to yeah. kind of dig into the history books and and we're forgetting people like Antoine Peak as we're going through you know, different yeah. positions and what have you. So that's taking trips down memory lane and all of that. So I like whenever Bearcat Nation 11 jumps in. That makes one of us. <laughs> um, very original with him. <laughs> it's just playing the hits, man. Always <laughs> playing the hits. You can you can count on him to ask a recording question. WGRR, oldies, 103.5. That's the mailbag. Wow. All right, boy. So thank you to 513shirts.com again for this month of sponsorship. Um, I believe that comes to an end after this particular mailbag. Um, I think, so I think we might have one more. I think this is the third one they sponsored. They paid for four. So Fair enough. Then we'll keep going. The hits will continue on. We'll see Bearcats Nation 11 without a doubt next week. Yes. After that, yeah, I, I guess the safe travels. 
How does the recruiting effect happen? That'll be a Faith travels to Dallas, boys. Yes. Yeah. Likewise. I will. I will see you all there with your five one three shirts.com hat. Oh, they're in. They're in. They're here. Um, and then heaven allowing, we were approved today for national championship credentials. And Aaron was like, if Cincinnati loses, can I still go? Like, <laughs> no. It's not how no. It's not a bad question, is it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's not a bad inquiry from your perspective. Like, do I still get to go, Dad? Dad, can I still go? If UC doesn't win, can I still go, Dad? Please. Please, Dad, please. I'll clean, I'll clean my room. <laughs> um, I look forward to us next week all being on, wearing our quarter zips that say Cotton Bowl. Yeah. Unless we lose, and then I don't know that I ever want to see that logo again. <laughs> like that, yeah, that'll, that'll never be. <laughs> It'll be forgotten completely. Yeah, if we win, I might still, still randomly be down in Dallas. Right. If, if they lose, Aaron, give it to the kid. Trick lot of kids. No, the, the, the boy. Oh, you I know, got it. Yeah. I, I just, anytime I can throw a trick daddy quote out there, I'm going to do it. I know. But but then the problem is he would wear it at one point and you would be like, I'm going to fuck. I hope he's watching. <laughs> Take this. You put that in your backpack and you put it on when you get out of this house. Like, Aaron, Aaron, it's 14 degrees I outside. Th- you hear what I said? I thought we were boys. <laughs> 14 degrees. I don't care. All right. I don't All know. Right. If- Until tomorrow. I don't, I don't know if Brent's even here with us anymore. Things got off the rails. Thank you to everyone who joined us tonight on this episode of the Bearcat Bounce Podcast. It was another good one. Thanks to Jim Kelly for joining us. It was awesome. a fantastic so conversation. Thank so you to, to Brent for joining us from Florida. Um, you know, it's just uh, thank you to everyone for joining us this year in 2021 who has become a part of the Bearcat Bounce podcast family thank you for believing in brent myself and chad as we do something a little offbeat here on this particular podcast uh compared to what you we do have on fun dj pod so you know th- we enjoy going on this ride with you and just appreciate you uh hanging on so we will uh we'll be back after after dallas but without further ado Brent Young, no longer here. We don't know what happened to his connection in Florida. He's probably just I just saw oh, your message chat and the, and the answer is no. No, I didn't. There's there's your audio. Thank you. Uh, Brent, <laughs> I, I did sign us out. I thanked everyone for the 2021. Um, but if you want to give us a proper sign out here. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're still live. Well, we, we are, are still live, yes, sir. Oh, hey, sorry about that. Live from Florida. It's a little crazy down here sometimes, but um, yeah, guys, a great show. Uh, so it's big special thanks to, of course, Jim Kelly for coming on and, and 513 Shirts, Danco Transmission, all the above. Special thanks as well, always, to Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel. You guys are great. And I'll see you down in Dallas. Let's take over Jerry's World. Come, come early. Be loud. Wear black. 
And you know what? Let's take on those Alabama Crimson Tide and do it as well as we possibly can. So, for Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel, ladies and gentlemen, I am Brent Young. This was another great BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya.